This is an emergency broadcast from Radio Free Istvan. All Imperial forces, stay away from Istvan 5. The fort flooding in of a massacre on the Black Sands. Horus has revealed his hand and gathered yet more traitorous Primarchs to his side. Ferris Manus is dead. Vulcan and Korax are missing. Stay safe, brothers, and stay away from the Istvan system. The Emperor protects. What's going on, Radio Freest Van listeners, and welcome to episode 89 of the Radio Freest Van podcast, a Horus Heresy 30K podcast. My name is Michael. Got my co host, Derek, here. Go tell what's going on, Derek. Buckle up, boys. Today we're fisting. We also got the co host, Scott. You can say what's going on, Scott. Yeah, the Iron Warrior in me has a real confusing boner about this Rogel Dorn model. <laughs> and of course, the powerful Ryan. Go and say what's going on, Ryan. Hello, everyone. I'm eating Sloppy Joes and homemade chips and drinking a root beer because I'm really fucking hungry and my wife brought me food and I'm not waiting. And Michael didn't wait to start the podcast. So if you're already chewing at the beginning of this podcast, it's because I'm eating Sloppy Joe. Jealous. Yeah, we're actually starting a little time lapse on his video feed. And we're just gonna watch his shirt progressively get dirtier <laughs> as the as the show I'm good. goes on. I'm so good. My beard has shielded it so far. <laughs> so what's going on, Ready for His Fan listeners? Do we have a special episode for you guys today? So, like we announced last week, this episode is the infamous Imperial Fist episode on the eve of like Rogel Dorn dropping. Like yeah. how, how did that happen? I don't know. It's almost like it's serendipity. A lot, I don't. A lot of weird coincidences going on. What? Whatever. You know, you don't. You gotta gotta roll with the punches sometimes. I'm, so. I'm secretly the boss over at the Forge World Design Studio. I've just been waiting for us to do this episode. I'm just telling you guys this now. <laughs> we had to slip a lot of dollary dues over to Forge World <laughs> to make this happen. So, you're welcome. <laughs> So yeah, total shocker, guys. Rogaldorn was dropped. Imperial F- Fist episode. So I know all you new people out there who are just suddenly ex- inspired to start your Imperial Fist Legion. Uh, this is going to be a good episode for you. So let me give you a breakdown of what we're going to be talking about. So naturally, we're going to do our opening. Uh, we're going to skip some of the hobby progress this time around because we've got so much content in this episode. So we're just going to kind of glaze over everything. Uh, then we're going to announce the Horse Heresy rulebook winners that we had on our Facebook page. Uh, then we're going to go over some of your voicemails, which we got quite a bit of, uh, including some bear stories. So <laughs> I look forward to that for Scott. Uh, then we're going to get into the Imperial Fist section of the podcast. And so within that section, we're going to go over the Imperial Fist fluff and background. Uh, some things about Rogaldorn, some things about the Legion. Uh, then we're going to go over some special rules that are dedicated only to the Imperial Fist. We're going to go over some special war gear that only the Imperial Fist can get. We're going to go over some special units that only Imperial Fist can get. And we're going to go over some rights of war that Imperial Fist are only, only have access to. Uh, then we're going to go over some rights of war that would go well with Imperial Fist. So, after all that said and done, we have an even more fisty portion of the episode where we're going to go over three Imperial Fist lists. So if you need a jump start, you need a way to to design your brand new Imperial Fist army because uh, of the latest hotness right now, uh, we have a, <laughs> we have that at the end. So if, if you've been insisting for a fisting, we've got a show for you. <laughs> so anyway, I guess uh, some normal opening. How's everybody doing? Everybody's good? I'm pretty good. I'm okay. doing really good. I'm eating chips. You hear that? 
Yeah. I'm, I'm doing really this now. We're trying really hard to keep Scott's uh, LVO knowledge fresh in his mind. I know he was kind of uh, in and out of lucidity at LVO. So, I don't... <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, we're going to fucking save my little spiel for, for Sunday's episode. So, we'll record on Sunday. But uh, I had a fucking awesome time, and I almost died. Yes, that almost all. Oh. <laughs> so... A typical weekend in Vegas. He was lucid enough to know that In and Out Burger's fucking overrated. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty overrated. <laughs> the gauntlet's that. been laid down. We saw a lot of a uh, lot of awesome pictures coming from LVO. Man, those tables looked fucking sweet on the 30k side. Uh, but <laughs> I mean, really, there's everything looked fun. Everything looked like it was a good time. Everybody looked like they were having a great time. Yeah. So, but we'll have some coverage of that next week as well. So we'll go over. Scott's experience there. Ryan's got a shitload of hobby progress. Derek has a shitload of hobby progress. I've been busy. I have some hobby progress, but we're just going to push that till next episode, uh, which will be next week, which will be Zell Mortalis episode. So look forward to that, boys. I know y'all been waiting for that. Yeah. So I guess let's just jump in here. Let's just jump straight in. So first things first, we're going to talk about the uh, Horace Heresy book winner. So this was this was actually a competition, or not really a competition. This was a uh, a drawing that contest. we actually had a what contest? A contest? Yeah, something uh, that we actually had on our Facebook page. Uh, so the rules were pretty simple, guys. Basically, it was a you go to our Facebook page, you post on there why you decided to start playing Horace Heresy. Uh, so. You had to like the page, leave a comment to post why you want to start playing Heresy, and that's it. You were entered. You just left a comment under there. And the prize that we were going to give out was one of the Horus Heresy brand new version one rule books. Uh, so we were going to go ahead and s- randomly pick one of the commenters on there, and they were going to get a rule book. Now, there was a second place, you know, a, a kicker, so to speak, that Ryan kind of pumped up, and that was going to be a a comment that Ryan picked that he liked the most out of all of them. And he would throw some special prize in there. So first things first, let's, let's talk about the guy who won the random drawing. So just by commenting, uh, the person who won is Ed Wilson. So Ed, hopefully you're a listener and you just listen to your, in your ear. I'm going to give it a few days after this announces before I contact you on Facebook because I would really like you to hear your name get said over. Like, I want this to be fresh in your mind before. And if you, if you guys know Ed Wilson, I think he's out of Porth, some some UK country or something. It's Porth. UK country. <laughs> oh, yeah, my bad. UK state. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> However they do it. <laughs> but uh, if you know him, let him know he won because I'm, I'm not going to contact him for a few days because I really want him to be notified in the most surprising fashion possible. I have his rule book in my kitchen, so whenever he uh, reaches out to us or whatever, we just get his address and I'll mail it straight to him. Yeah. So, and his comment was the artwork where Horus Horus faces off against the Emperor with Sanguinius on the floor. Both versions. I always found it incredibly intriguing and actually had it framed in front of my painting table to give me inspiration and motivation for my legion. So, very cool, Ed Wilson. Uh, go ahead and uh, shoot us a picture of that frame hanging against you because <laughs> I think that's pretty dope. 
I want to see how big it is. And it, I, I dropped I dropped a little factoid on Michael before the show about that because we were talking about the comment about how the newer version of that image, the one that's the most modern, that's on the Visions of Heresy uh, cover. Um, was done by Adrian Smith, who is doing that uh, hate board game that I've been pumping up. So, just Small throwing world. it out there. Small world. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Now you all get to hear that little factoid. Like I said, weird coincidences. So, the next part of the contest was going to be a comment that Ryan handpicked out of that group of Facebook comments. And... The winner of that one is powerful Ishmael DeLuna. So Ishmael said, fuck that. I don't need a rule book. If anything, I'd use it to give it away to a person who would like to get into the heresy to entice some new players to help the community grow. I've been into Horus Heresy since day one, pre-ordering Betrayal while on deployment out in BFE. Got out of the military, sized up a good collection with great painted miniatures, Look on the 30k forums at anything diet of liquor wine legion wise. That was me. Had to sell everything due to money problems while working part time and going to school full time and dating a woman that I had to take care of. Managed to scrounge money to start custodes before Inferno dropped. After Inferno, realized I got fucked with rules and love. I don't run <laughs> cheese bones and I still work on them in hopes for one day to play them but I started to finally rebuild a legion and have 10 tactical marines and a random HQ trying to build them up for the taking of Firex campaign this summer since I finally have a big boy job. Keep up the awesome work, guys. So another little factoid we found out about the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Ryan, let me see. Let me see when you actually send that to me. So Ryan picked that winner on the 26th i'm sorry the 25th yep. that was a few days ago and uh today we actually were gathering lists that we were going to be doing and that and that little name ishmael came up twice and turns out we're doing his list this episode yep special episode for that guy <laughs> so ishmael man you got a double decker of an episode coming your way <clears throat> little one two so here's the thing on his prize. So make this very clear. He doesn't... I basically have the prize that I wanted to give and then a backup prize just in case they can't accept the prize, which I would fully understand. I will pay your way to Heresy Camp. not going to pay for your travel. If you make it there, though, I will pay for your entry into Heresy Camp and get you into any event that you want to. If you want to do Cold to Paint, pay for it, whatever. If you, as long as you can get there, which one you get there, your room, your food, all the events, and the painting class, if you want to take it, will all be paid for. So all you'd need to do is pay for travel. So if you want to accept that, I will pay your way to Heresy Camp. If you do not want that, we will work out a equivalent prize in models or whatever you want. You can message me and we'll talk about it. Badass. That's hot. Well, 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 Ishmael. And this is the first time anyone's hearing about it. Yeah, I can see Michael's face. I'm trying to see where he's at because <laughs> there's a possibility. <laughs> like, if he's in Texas, I think. I mean, I don't see why you wouldn't take that. I'm trying to see. My wife just brought me fresh warm cookies because I have the best wife 
on the. I'm not trying to be racist, but I feel like a guy named Ishmael De Luna might live in Texas. <laughs> oh no, he lives in Missouri. He lives in Missouri. Damn it! <laughs> it's still not far. Okay. I have to drive. We'll get him on the way. We'll throw him in the U-Haul. <laughs> <laughs> he can ride in the back with the tables. He can hold them against the wall. And make sure they don't fall over. I know. I know. Ishmael, the prize seems like you could have instant gratification of models, but. I mean, anything heresy can camp like her- heresy camp. It's like there's no, camp. there's, there's no. Like, and, it's and a cold of paint camp. class. And a cold, and a cold of, paint. of paint class. How much is that class? It's a hundred bucks. Not bad. On top of your heresy camp five day ticket, or three day if you can't do the five day. I don't know if you hitch it. Oh, Derek's up selling me. <laughs> <laughs> we'll work it out. Whatever he wants to do. I love it. So you heard him, Ishmael, get in contact with us. Let us know. It sounds like he listens to us. So uh, this is going to be a super fucking stellar episode for you, man. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so next up on the list after our Heresy Book winners is our long list of voicemails that we got from all you guys this week. So we got a... A number of voicemails come in. We even got some bear stories, like I said, from uh, Eric. So I'm real excited about those. Did you have any bear talk while you're at LVO? And I know we're not supposed to talk about it, but did you have any bear talk out there, Scott? Yeah, a little bit of bear talk. Not not much, man. Those guys said those guys kind of let me down. They said it's not <laughs> that big a deal there. Like you can see the bears and go out and like take pictures of the bears, but the bears aren't just jacking people in parking garages like I kind of hoped. So Canadian we're going to have to wait a little, little longer. You know, Me and Michael are in a chat group with John, and you can say, John messaged us and said, ha-ha, because you mentioned it on the podcast, Scott and his bears. He's like, he's going to be so disappointed because these and these, these reasons. I'm like, oh, man, don't let, just lie to the guy. <laughs> yeah. He's not from fucking Canada. Let's yeah, lie to make some shit up. Fucking Come on. Shit on my hopes and dreams. <laughs> That's exactly what Ryan said. Ryan says, just lie to him. Just, you know, he's flying all the way <laughs> to Vegas. Let him just... have this. <laughs> fucking, fucking red pill him. Blue pill. Which is it? I don't fucking remember. All right. So, anyway, here's our first voicemail. Just kidding. <laughs> it's on its way. <laughs> Well, this is embarrassing. Hey, guys. This is Muskrat Story Eric, a.k.a. the Eric you shouted out. That I needed to get my butt up to the Pennsylvania event that Shane shouted out on the last show. Um, I'm actually not from Pennsylvania, jerks. I'm from the very unknown state of Delaware. Um, unfortunately, I'm not a native of the state, which I guess is a good thing because... No one knows where the hell or what the hell this state is. So, going to try and make it up to that event in Pennsylvania. See you guys there. So, you said he was from Pennsylvania, but people think that he's from Delaware? He's, actually, he's actually from Delaware. No, no, no. You didn't miss the... I was going to continue to perpetuate the lie that he was from Pennsylvania. For he fun, acts like I but, don't know that... Delaware is a small mid-Atlantic U.S. state that sits on the Pennsylvania marked by dune-backed beaches border the Atlantic Ocean. Did you know the Delaware River and the Delaware Bay? <laughs> He's got <laughs> Google. <laughs> Just Google it, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Telling me I don't know about Delaware. Our first stage heritage park. I mean, if you can Google it that quick, you might as well know it. 
that that counts. Fuck. Shout out. Shout out to I have Horace Tim. That's always like this motherfucker's got. I'm trying to argue with him over the internet, and I know this motherfucker's got Wikipedia open. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you shouldn't be arguing with motherfuckers got Wikipedia open without first editing Wikipedia. All right. Next voicemail. Hopefully, this one pulls up faster. I don't know what happened to that last one. Eric, your Delaware internet fucked it up. All right, look, Eric. The next Lone Star Legion event is March 3rd. You've got a little over a month. You need to knuckle down, get your shit together, get a legal list. We'll even let you show up mostly painted. But don't touch those fucking rhinos until you're ready to show up to the event with a list. Looking forward to seeing you there, man. (laughs) Too late. William's so nice. <laughs> He's just really concerned about getting you back up there. Yeah. So uh, I did knuckle down. Thank you for telling me to do that. Uh, fuck you for telling me to do something that I'm already doing. <laughs> I'll, I'll be ready. I don't. I hope I can make it. Fuck. Uh, I think March third is the kickoff for our Escalation League locally. So oh, fuck. I don't know if you're gonna make it. I mean, Whoops. you could make it. It'd just kind of be a slap in the face to us local guys. But, you know, yeah, that's There fine. you go, Derek. Fuck something else up. Good job. <laughs> Sorry, Will. So, let's see here. I'll send you pictures. Okay, this comes from an international number, so Lord knows what's going on. Oh, just silence. That's the voicemail, guys. <laughs> Okay, so that was the voicemail. That was actually the voicemail. Thank you. All silence. Thank you for that. Serial killer shit. I've been watching Mindhunter. I just watched the whole first season. So good. So good. Oh, more silence. (laughs) (sighs) No play. It sounds the whole way through. It's a minute of silence. I guess we got butt dialed. I don't know. It's a six plus six one number. I guess that's Australia or something. Yeah, that's one of those fake countries somewhere else, man. It's probably a Delaware number. Anyway, here's what I've been waiting for. So this comes from powerful Eric from the Patreon chat. He says he has two from stories. Pennsylvania. <laughs> What's up, guys? It's the wildlife turd here. I heard you needed some bear stories, so I'm here to deliver. Uh, this is the first of two uh, good bear stories I have. Both of these are secondhand. Sorry. I've encountered bears, but nothing exciting. Um, so this first one is from, I think, either on the podcast or just talking to another buddy. I've heard of this happening more than once, but I've got a buddy that's a conservation officer up in Alaska, and he was uh, getting ready to go to work for the day. Uh, Walked outside onto his porch, um, you know, snow-covered ground, all that crap up in Alaska, to let his dog out, and his dog wouldn't leave the porch. And he's like, what the hell, man? Being a pussy, it's just snow. So he's like, come on, dude. And he takes a couple steps down the stairs, waits. The dog's just freaking out and not going out. He's like, what the heck? So he walks back in with the dog, puts the dog inside. He has a little bit of a, a brainstorm. He's like, huh. He goes and doesn't get all the way off his porch, just peeks under the stairs. And sure enough, there's a polar bear 
with its nose not three inches from the stairs, just staring back at him. He calmly backs away, goes back inside, calls in work for the day. Can't go to work, boss. I've got a polar bear waiting to jump on me when I leave my porch. So this massive polar bear somehow got under his porch and was waiting for him to go to his truck, is what he was telling me, so that he could ambush him and eat him. Fucking crazy. Uh, I think he said he had to take two or three days off just for that one polar bear as it was kind of hanging out waiting for him. Uh, yeah, like I said, I think I've heard of this happening more than once. So good on you people living up in Alaska with that because Jesus Christ. <laughs> Crafty bastards. What do they even do at that point? Because, like, I'm pretty sure polar bears are super protected at this point. So, like, they're the most dangerous bear fucking in existence. They're big as fuck. Polar bears, man, no, living monsters, those things. Like, you call the police, you're like, hey, man, there's a polar bear under my porch. Goddamn, start praying. Good luck. <laughs> yeah, sorry, bro. I don't know I how to fuck fucking with deal with that. <laughs> Cover up your, put your blinds up through, because if they find out they can go through glass, it's over. <laughs> yeah, you're... <laughs> Fuck it up for the rest of us. All right. What's up, guys? It's the Wildlife Turd here with Bear Story number two. So again, this is a second-hand story from um, a boss on a project I was helping out with. Um, it was about 10 years before I had worked for him. He was working a job up in Alaska where he was radio calling grizzly bears. So the way you do that is you're out in one of the um, smaller helicopters, just single pilot, and then the biologist. So a two-person team, you go out with a CO2 or 22 blank cartridge gun, dart gun, and uh, use a drug cocktail, and yeah, dart the bear and falls asleep run up, radio collar him, give it the reversal, run away. Easy peasy. So typical day working out on the mud flats um, where it's pretty flat open. Um, there's, you know, a couple of little streams leading up to a river or a bay, that sort of thing where the bear's hanging out. Fly up around it, um, get a good dart, put the bear down. So he gets a good shot, hits the bear with the dart. It starts to fall asleep, wanders, of course, over to one of the little streams and lays down with his face right in the water. So now the bear can't breathe. What? So they land the helicopter a little bit away. Boss runs up, um, jumps on the bear's back, and lifts his head out of the water. Well, now that stirred the bear enough that the bear wakes up. Boss jumps on his back, <laughs> jumps off his back, starts running back towards the helicopter. Giant grizzly bear's chasing him. Helicopter starts to take off. The, um, my boss, the biologist, jumps for the helicopter as it's taken off grabs the skids with his arms and just kind of hoists himself up. And the bear was close enough behind him that as he's lift, being lifted off the ground and probably flipping his legs around because he doesn't want to get hit, the bear takes one jump and swipe at him and apparently was within an inch uh, of hitting my boss is what he told me. So pretty crazy story. Um, obviously, I don't know what happened with the grizzly bear. I'm sure it just wandered off and took a little nap, and that was it. And then, obviously, my boss was fine. But yet another crazy story. So I hope you guys enjoy. Um, those are my two good bear stories I got. And thanks for doing all the hard work, and keep it up. <laughs> those crazy it bears. Is, man. It's a Tropic Thunder style bear escape. Dude, for real. I couldn't imagine, like, <laughs> grabbing onto a skid and holding on for dear life. <laughs> the helicopter's like, fuck this, I'm going. Our buddy Nick called in and told us a bear story, but it wasn't one that we could share on this podcast. Oh. Really? It, it invo- <laughs> Yeah, it was it involved a bar and a and it wasn't the right kind of bear. 
Oh. Oh, all right. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, dude, we had puppy gate. <laughs> like, okay. How dare you fucking silence our oh. <laughs> all right. What up, you beautiful bastard? This is Jack from Kentucky. Um, first of all, I'd like to say thank you to Ryan for having me and Duncan up uh, this uh, last Saturday for uh, your game night. I mean, Duncan felt the need to come up there to re- to represent Kentucky since Scott was out in Las Vegas recruiting, you know, Hitler, uh, Hitler Youth and, and whatnot, that beautiful <laughs> Aryan bastard that he is. Um, I do have a couple things to say. First off, Charlie Daniels from your last episode is fucking awesome to see in concert. Um, the fun game to play when you watch him is to see how many bow strings and fiddles uh, he breaks uh, during his concert um, because he'll go through probably three or four fiddles and two bow strings and ten songs just from how hard he plays. Rock and roll. And then I have two stories. Um, you're talking about bear attack. Yeah. Well, I got two two uh, animal attack stories for you. Both are rabbits. Um, first one has to deal with my mom. We had rabbits growing up, uh, and uh, she went out into the yard one day with the boy rabbit that we supposedly bought. Turned out it was a female rabbit that was already pregnant, and my mom got too close to the uh, baby, uh, and the rabbit jumped up straight up off the ground, hissed her face, and then attacked the back of her leg and bit her through jeans and would not let go. My mom had taken a metal uh, post and beat it off of her leg so she could get away. The second story, why this sounds really stupid, unfortunately it's true. My great-grandfather on my grandfather's side uh, was shot and killed by a rabbit. Well, I guess that sounds really dumb. Um, this was back in the Depression. Um, oh, they lived in a place called uh, Poozy Ridge, Kentucky, um, which you can't get more Kentucky than Poozy Ridge, Kentucky. It's down by the <laughs> river um, in, a, in, in a holler. For those of you that don't know what a holler is, uh, it's a, a, a valley um, deep deep in the woods. Um, he was out hunting rabbits down by the, by, down by the river. And a rabbit jumped into a pile of rocks. He set down his rifle to dig dig through the rocks to try to get to the rabbit. Uh, Little be known to him, there was another hole in the rocks. The rabbit jumped out of the hole, hit the rifle. The rifle hit the ground, shot him in the foot. It being, you know, 1920s, you know, the doctor finally came to visit, said it was infected, said that, uh... He was going to cut off the foot. Uh, he said, uh, to which he said, you're not cutting off my damn foot. I'm keeping it. And so. <laughs> oh, my God. This sounds like a infected testicle story. Slash Looney Tunes episode. <laughs> Is there a part two? Yeah. Oh, thank God. I got to hear the end of this. I know. This is definitely becoming the most Kentucky e- <laughs> voicemail we've ever received. That damn cutoff lady doesn't give you any fucking warning. You're mid-sentence. You see this says goodbye to your ass. Like, fucking, <laughs> the, you just bought a, a $2 whore and who has to give you five <laughs> minutes. You're like, nope, I'm done. Get out of here, you fucking son of a bitch. We'll talk yep. about anyway, it. Anyway. <laughs> um, he made it. 
most Kentucky boys. He didn't have his leg cut off. Eventually, uh, it got so infected that uh, he died from it. So my uh, great grand grandfather was killed by a, a rabbit. Um, so yeah, so uh, don't get shot by by a rabbit. Winnie Tunes is really real. Uh, y'all take it easy. Have a good one again, Ryan. Thank you very much. Uh, hopefully, I'll see you in a couple weeks, man. Later. Yeah, love you, Jack. Love you, Duncan. That was wild. That was all over the place. <laughs> Just old timey death. What is it? Diarrhea. <laughs> Better get my affairs in order. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought that the uh, that the whole like that our stories from last week would come back up, and here yeah. they are. Devil went down <laughs> to Georgia. So yeah. If you get a chance to see Charlie Daniels live, make sure to fucking uh, <laughs> uh, fucking Sean Hannity's not there. Yeah, because he will ruin the whole concert for you. Um, Duncan that just came up here just had a birthday, so happy birthday, Duncan! I told you on Facebook, but I'm telling you in person now. A few days late, and I hope to see you guys up here more. Also, congrats on the new job. He got a new job, which is uh good for him, and it also allows him and Jack to come up here more often. So. Hopefully we'll get to see them guys more. They're beautiful, beautiful faces. Way to go. Okay, radio for you to survive. Listeners, sorry, it's the Pachi T group again. And I, I'm really sorry for what just happened. Like, I'm pretty sure that's the first, like, on, on air poop. Hold on one second. I think this is the second part. Do we get... We get some bot GT up in here. I think this is bot GT. Oh yeah, it's the boys of the Golden Throne calling you live from fucking Las Vegas. Nice. And we it's movie time. Brian, come on, oh, Michael. You guys are missing out. Your boy Scott. It's fucking amazing. P-Hole Derek, where the fuck are you? <laughs> Scott is like, on like a scale of a 1 to 10 of Pimpery. What about... An easy 9. It's an easy 9, but what about on his like, Aryan scale? His Aryan scale? Like, 9.9? He's, like he's a 9, but on a sexy, sexy scale... He's, he's a 10. Like he's, a he's, he's a 10. Are <laughs> you kidding me? Yeah, he not go to prison. No, he definitely can't he's go to prison. He went to prison, bad things happen, but here's the thing. I'm all, I'm all the much better. Don't worry about it. You're already in prison with Scott? No, I'm all the much better. Don't worry about it. She's going to talk about us. You, oh, yeah. Well, I can't wait to listen to Scott talk about how he like, almost shit himself on the way to us. Don't worry about that. Sometimes <laughs> people don't shit themselves. Well, they do. I, it's like, I'm looking forward to it. That's all I'm saying. If that makes me, you know, a little bit odd, so be it. These are the biggest ones. These are very big. These are lots of biggest joints, and, you know...
John Westcott from anywhere in the world. That's what I want to know. Do we, is there a story I don't know about? Is it, no, shut up. Shut up. You said you get into the big thing. Yo, Kimmel, here's the model. The model of my car. All right, love you, boys. Talk to you later. Scott, you're a fucking legend. Oh, damn. Love you too. <laughs> so, so that was obviously the boys of the Golden Throne podcast live from LVO, uh, having a a great time. It sounded like I think live from one the after party. <laughs> sounds like I don't know if that was Teo taking a shit in the background or somebody was definitely taking a shit in the background. Somebody was on the Golden Throne. I love those guys, man. Those are my fucking new brothers. <laughs> not wait to see them again. They and raided there you. Many crazy, well, oh, spoiler alert, we may have been abusing some substances. <laughs> you were definitely a 9.9 on not only their Aryan scale, but also their hotness scale, but a 10 on their sexy right. scale. Well, you know, I'm fucking getting a little older these days, so I'll take that. I'll, <laughs> we'll take that. I will throw these compliments. Okay, so they did have a... Uh, they did have a follow-up voicemail because <laughs> you know we needed it. That's usually how the drunk call works. Yeah, this is where the cry starts. Okay, radio for you, <laughs> listeners. Sorry, it's the Bachi T group again. And I we're really sorry for what just happened. Like I'm pretty sure that's the first like on on air poop. <laughs> That never happened on Radio Free and we felt like we needed to call back just to, you know, we're somewhat ashamed, but at the same time, we're also proud. We're also proud. Like we're living up to our name. You know, there's there's a toilet in our fucking logo for a reason, and our faces are in the bowl for a reason. So, you know, we're sorry, but we're we're kind of not, and we're just all sorry that you can't be here because we love you all, and that's the listeners. you big time pimp <laughs> i love those guys man they're the fucking greatest so, so cool to meet those dudes so good if you live in canada and you live near vancouver island you're fucking spoiled they're they're awesome <laughs> oh. so let me see here let me see here let me see here so that's all i got for live voicemails that's gonna be it. It was a good time this week, man. It's a good time. Uh, let me see here. So, I guess at this point, are we ready? I think we're about ready to jump over to some, some Imperial Fist now that we had the live shit on air. <laughs> <laughs> Seems to go hand in hand we've had, with the uh, life life being on air a few times, but not live shitting. That's the first. Yeah, yeah, man. My fucking I have a beagle sitting right next to me right now, and he peed on air one time. Yeah. So. I think we've all peed on air at least once. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
don't so. want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm still kind of sick. Could be a live shit on air as well. <laughs> to this episode. <laughs> Dropping deuce. All right. So let's go to Imperial Fist, guys. Uh, guys, just straight off the gate, if you want to follow along, you're going to need your Age of Darkness Legions book. And you're going to find the Imperial Fist section of that book. So, page 28. Page 28. So, first things first, we're going to go over some fluff on the Imperial Fist and the Imperial Fist Legion, the 7th Legion. Uh, we're going to go over some Rogel Dorn fluff, if you already didn't know it. It's pretty readily available. There is some things that have not been covered. Um, one thing I will say, whenever I do cover the... Siege of Terra portion because not a lot has been covered for that section in the Horse Heresy novels. I'm just going to kind of glaze over it because I think a lot of it will get retconned on what happened as far as the exact details. So I'm just going to kind of glaze over that portion. Uh, and then, of course, not a whole lot of information has been released on the planet Inuit, Inuit that Rogaldorn is from. So. So the cl- the closest thing would be the uh, the uh, Crimson Fist short story where part of that story takes place on Inwit. Yeah. So it's cold. Spoiler alert. It's cold as fuck. It's like it's like uh it, yeah it's pretty much like uh like Fenris <clears throat> but less cool yeah. somehow. It's like Eskimos versus Vikings. <laughs> Oddly enough, living peacefully versus <laughs> not. Yeah, and oddly enough, it's named Inuit. So, hmm. pretty on the nose. <laughs> so anyway, so just going on, uh, Rogel Dorn himself. So when, obviously, you know, we talk about all the Primarchs and everything like that. It's pretty evident that the Primarchs, when they were made by the Emperor, uh, all of their little capsules were slung across the galaxy to different locations, and they all landed on different planets and and were raised on that planet and the planet raised them and raised their personality they had no idea who the emperor was they had no idea you know what they were made for and they didn't realize that they were different they found out of course later in life they're different uh so rogaldorn was thrown to the planet inuit is an ice planet completely covered in ice um so people are taught to live or er, taught early on that they have to be real hardy uh that you know pretty much your way of life is you know you gotta fucking fight for a few there are there is large beasts on the planet that are extremely tough uh, that they just got to take care of. So uh, Rogaldorn got thrown onto that planet and the Primarch, or I'm sorry, the Patriarch of the House of Dorn actually found him and adopted him as his grandfather, kind of is how they put it. So he says like, hey, you're my grandson now, boy. And so... Thanks, Granddad. He raised Rogaldorn as his as his grandson and he realized hey this boy ain't normal he's growing four times as fast as normal kids he's you know eight foot tall superhuman <laughs> uh he's gonna work out for me so rogaldorn grows up and by this time his grandfather's already dead uh he becomes the leader of his house and eventually he actually becomes the leader of the whole world uh of inuit and so during this time that he becomes the leader of his world he completely turns the world around like most Primarchs do and moves into a complete industrial revolution of the world uh, where they start, you know, creating uh, ships that are spacefaring. They start uh, 
ca- basically taking over planets around their local system. So he actually has this full complement of planets around Inuit that he's taken over. Uh, and this is all, you know, as just before he's even begin giving any sort of, you know, Primarch status or anything like this. This is just him doing what he normally does. Uh, by the time this happens, the Emperor shows up in the Phalanx. Uh, and he immediately understands who the emperor is and immediately vows his loyalty to the emperor. Uh, now, now going, going over all the primarchs and you talk about all the primarchs different, uh, uh, different relationships with the emperor. Uh, you have some primarchs who kind of resented the emperor, uh, some who trusted the emperor, but you know, if they had their own, um, they have their own plan. They're not going to listen to everything the emperor says. They're going to kind of pick and choose what uh, what they think is best. And uh, Rogaldorn was the, I guess what uh, like what a lot of people consider like the goody good cho- goody goody to sh- like I don't, I don't know how to put it like a like the way everybody kind of sees Giaman as like does whatever he's told and all that stuff. That's truly who Rogaldorn is. Uh, Rogaldorn doesn't care about conquest. He doesn't care about, you know, like he, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't, I mean, he cares about his legion, but, um, he's a hundred percent dedicated to the emperor as much as you can be dedicated to the emperor. Uh, so yeah, if you, he's blue collar Gilliman. Yeah. He's, yeah, he's working like, if you listen to, uh, spoiler alert, I'm sure we're going to get this, but the new model is out for Rogaldorn and it's fucking gorgeous. If I was a, Imperial Fist saying I'd be a pretty big, uh, pretty big fan of that model. It looks beautiful. But um, one thing they did was when they released that video, they went back to having the actual like World Design Studio guys talk about inspiration for the miniature, which I'm a really big fan of because I have a lot of respect for the imagination those guys possess. And uh, they talked a little bit about Rogel Dorn, his character, like he is the one unequivocal loyal son out of all he was the one who was like ride or die fuck down with the imperium down no matter what the fuck happened none That's of this imperium secundus bullshit I'm, yeah, gonna... I'm not here to fucking do all that weirdness shady dad needs help i'm gonna go build a fence for him <laughs> he gave me a job because he trusted me to do it <laughs> so yeah so that's rogaldorn uh, Rogaldorn, absolutely, just like just like Scott said, better than I could for some reason. Uh, he's ap- the golden child for the Emperor. Um, so the Emperor picks him up in the Phalanx, gives him the Phalanx. That's his fortress monastery now, uh, and it becomes really immediately well known once he's given his legion. It's very obvious that Rogaldorn is very good at building fortifications. That's what he's known for. If you're looking at a legion, you're trying to pick a legion based on, uh, based on background and what they they excel at. Just like, you know, Perturabo is good at take siege warfare, taking down walls. Uh, Rogaldorn is really good at building walls and fortifying positions. So naturally, these two have resentment against each other. They don't like each other because, <laughs> you know, like. Those are two pretty opposing ideas. Yeah. Want a wall? Don't want a wall. Fucking, is anyone else catching a drift here? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so, Rogel Dorn was actually so uh, good at fortifying 
positions that it was actually Horace said uh, if it ever came to him having to fight his legion versus the Imperial Fist, it would be a never-ending stalemate and that it would have to be continuously Luna Wolves being sacrificed to the walls of Dorne. So that's pretty much gives you an idea of how how uh, how his brothers felt about him. Um, now, the Emperor did task Rogaldorn initially to fortifying and building the the actual walls of Terra and the inner innards of Terra. This is before there was ever a, uh, before there was the Horus Heresy or anything like that. This was just to build the inside of the uh, of the the, uh, palace. the palace. And so uh, Rogaldorn did end up doing that and he made a comment at some point that it would be able to withstand the might of even the Iron Warriors. And just with that sly comment being made towards Perturabo, uh, Perturabo brooded on that for thousands of years to come. <laughs> like <it> just <laughs> as he does, he gets yeah. upset, broods on things. So absolutely, with that comment, it it's planted the seed for a never-ending hatred uh, <laughs> for Pertura- Perturabo had for Rogaldorn. Um, so pissed him off. Uh, after he was done with the palace upgrades and making the palace all pretty on the inside, but pretty tough, not, not Legion defensive tough, but pretty tough regardless, uh, came the Olinor crusade. Uh, so during the Olinor crusade, basically it was eight legions. I think it was like 8 million different space Marines going in and just fighting a shit ton of orcs. Um, they all came out of it. And at this point, uh, all the brothers were, were at this point, the emperor decided, you know, Hey, I need to go back to Terra. I need to go work on my secret projects. I need to make one of you guys a war master. So he makes Horace the war master and all the other brothers kind of had some resentment towards Horace. Like, Hey, you know, why the fuck is he the war master? Uh, whereas Rogel was more like, that's cool. I get it. You're right. Emperor. No problem. I'll move on with my life. Just another indication of how good of a son he is. Um, he's a good boy. Yeah, he's a good boy. So, after the Illinois Crusade, uh, it's kind of a, I guess it's, I don't know, it's kind of a spoiler, but I guess we can talk about it anyway. Uh, after the uh, Istvan III, uh, I, guess, I guess after the events of Istvan, uh, one of the ships the Eisenstein uh, escaped and on the Eisenstein itself was Nathaniel Garrow who witnessed the atrocities that happened on Eisenstein and he on Eisenstein Istvan I'm sorry on Istvan and he jettisoned one of like as the last last ray of hope he jettisoned one of his uh, nuclear cores on his ship it exploded and out of the <laughs> thousands or millions and millions of of empty space it just so happened that uh, Rogel Dorn saw this happen and so he flew his his ship over to it to to investigate what was going on with that and found this uh, derelict ship floating in the void and in this process he him and his retinue of terminators managed to teleport on board found Nathaniel Garrow, who immediately told him, 
hey, Rogel, just letting you know, the heresy's going on. Uh, your brothers have betrayed the emperor. <laughs> the milk's gone bad. <laughs> Fucking shit is... Shit Cats and dogs living really in harmony. Total pandemonium. Absolutely. And so completely broke down what happened. And the first thing Rogel Dorn is does is uh slap the shit actually punt knock the fuck out of nathaniel garo for talking shit about his brothers uh so he says that's impossible you damn scum i'm gonna kill you and he would have killed uh he would have killed nathaniel garo had nathaniel garo not had uh one of the uh remember answers on board and plugged her in to show rogaldorn so uh immediately finding out that the istvan atrocities had occurred uh rogaldorn sent most of his legion to istvan to investigate and to figure out what was going on over there uh while him and his personal retinue and uh, some of his legion went back to terra to go uh make the emperor aware of what was going on and to start fortifying terra as well because he knew what would eventually come um so once he did get to terra uh he did decide to uh, bolster the defenses of Terra and during this you know there was a lot of the beautiful palace that you know because he really didn't plan on Terra being able to or the palace to be able to defend itself against another legion let alone multiple legions uh, at this time he's only aware of three legions so he was he didn't or actually you know four legions he doesn't know that there's yep. multiple yeah it's four legions he's and so he immediately realized he was going to have to tear down a number of what he considered, you know, artistic, uh, not useful defensive fortifications and just make it more rugged, make it more realistic for defensive wise. Uh, so he then starts to bolster these defenses. Uh, during this, he realizes he's going to need some weapons. And so what he does is he decides to go to Mars to go acquire a number of weapons. And the problem is uh, during this exact time, uh, Horus is, snake uh had managed to make a civil war happen on on mars and so the dark mechanicus was fighting amongst themselves with the normal mechanicus and so this was causing an issue that dorn would have to settle before he can do anything uh to bolster the defenses even further on terra and so this kind of slowed him down a little bit it's the Mechanicum, not the Mechanicus. You're going to fucking trigger all the fucking beep boop oh. heads out there. My, my bad. Mechanicum. Beep up, whoop up. So, uh, he does end up bolstering defenses. Uh, the Blood Angels show up to help him. <laughs> they, uh, uh, the Space Wolves were caught up doing their own thing. The Dark Angels were busy doing their own thing. And so, Blood Angels set up. Like I said, I'm going to glaze over this a little bit. Uh, they start fighting. White Scar show up. Uh, everything goes good, and then the Emperor goes, hey, Rogaldorn, I got a better plan. Instead of us uh, uh, fighting this never-ending battle on the ground, let's go ahead and uh, let's go ahead. I got this plan. I'm going to take you, your brother, and I want you to take some elite bodyguard with you, and I'll take some of my custodes, and we'll teleport on to the Vengeful Spirit. And He stole that plan from an Iron Warrior. Yeah. Sure did. And so they teleported on to the Vengeful Spirit, and somehow unknown, I hope that it gets kind of cleared up to what happened, but uh, Rogaldorn gets sent to the exact opposite side of the ship in his teleportation. Um, 
So unfortunately, it's just Sanguinus and just the Emperor and some custodes on one side of the ship with Horus, and on the complete other side of the ship, it's Rogaldorn and his bodyguard. And so Rogaldorn yeah, has like a CVS somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> Sanguinius is totally separated on his own. Yeah, so it's it's like a it it's all sh- it's a shit show. Okay, it's like a fucked up Doom level. So. Rogaldorn realizes he's on the complete opposite side of the ship, so he has to fight through the entire vengeful spirit. Vengeful, yeah. He's got to fight through his entire ship. Spirit, yeah. Vengeful spirit. I can't say it like fully without like it getting caught in my mouth. So he's got to fight this entire ship, and by this point, it's all fucking like warp fucking entities. It's like demons and shit. There's all this chaos going on. So I don't know what the fuck he's looking at. Yeah, there's fucking weirdness <laughs> happening. Doom, doom breed. Yeah, it was, well, I always thought that was kind of funny, like, just kind of breaking off from what we're talking about right now. Like, all the other, like, all the other legions kind of got a little bit of taste of chaos. Like, as it was, like, coming along, they started seeing more and more things. And, like, like this, like, Rogaldorn on the Vengeful Spirit was, like, brand new to him. Like, this was, like, <laughs> like these were, like, demons, like, out of fucking nowhere. Like, what the fuck? Holy <laughs> shit. Like, what is Why did nobody tell me well, about these motherfuckers? De- demons took part on the actual assault on the walls too, because that's where Sanguinius fights uh, the big bloodthirster guy. Kabanda. Kalbanda. Uh, Cal- yeah, I guess so. The mini Tomsi suplex is that fucking. He says, I break, your, I break your <laughs> back over natural. my knee like so. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, so he fights through an entire ship of, you know, sons of Horus, which, and demons at this point. He makes it through the entire ship as much as he can, which I can only imagine is like treading through water, and finally gets to the Emperor and to Sanguinius and to Horus when it's all way too late. Uh, he actually gets to hear the pro- probably the last words ever spoken by the Emperor, which was, I now turn these over to you, the Primarchs, and that's pretty much it. Like, that's, like, <laughs> he got there too late. So... Uh, he definitely found him like he definitely felt responsible for that. Uh, even though really, if you think about it, there's no way he could have like not made that happen. I guess he just thought I wasn't fast enough or I should have taken that break. I shouldn't have had to use the restroom. I should have just kept going, but we shouldn't have stopped at that quiz nose. Yeah. So he holds himself personally responsible. Uh, so by the time this all comes down, he's, you know, already like meditating, already hating on himself and the heresy's over, and then Rubuk Gilliman, as if to add more, you know, pain to his suffering, decides to uh, mention and bring up, it's like, hey, I think we should uh, split all of our legions into chapters to make sure some shit like this doesn't happen again. And Rogaldorn's like, fuck you, dude, I don't want to do that. Like, that's, that's the worst thing that we could possibly do. And realizes he's being a little brash. He's kind of being out there. He's kind of being an asshole. So uh, he decides to meditate on it for a few days. So he actually uses this meditation, uh, this meditation device called a pain glove. And while using the pain glove, it actually gives him a vision. And during this vision, it actually tells him that hey, uh, your fist will be reborn into chapters, and the emperor is not fully dead, and. Uh, you need to go to the Iron Cage and go fight Perturabo. And he's like, 
Done. I'll fucking go. <laughs> and so that's what happens. Uh, so Rogel Dorn ends up taking his entire fucking legion to the Iron Cage of Perturabo, which is just a giant trap. Uh, so it leads you to kind of wonder where that vision came from. Probably chaos. Fucking galactic troll fest is what it <laughs> is, man. So, Got him. <laughs> so, yeah. So if you haven't read up on what the Iron Cage is, just go Wikipedia that stuff because it's probably one of the most intense, like, Perturabo plans that you'd ever see. It's metal. It's an entire planet that has been made into a giant death trap for anybody that goes in there. There's trenches. There's traps. Uh, there's bunkers that have underground tunnels that lead to other bunkers and all the iron warriors on the planet and all the people on the planet already know and understand this fully. And, uh, Perturabo has completely set this planet up to murder anybody that comes on this planet. Uh, so the Imperial fist, they go to this planet, they land on it and they just get their asses handed to them. I mean, they're pretty much wiped out. Uh, I don't know, Ryan. You know the number, like what it was dropped down to. I know it was like something ridiculously small. Like, uh, um, I, I want to say under a hundred. Yeah, I don't. I don't fully remember. Like I said, I'm not. That's all during the scouring. It's not really during the heresy. Yeah. So, so this gets dropped down. Their numbers get insanely dropped down uh, to the point where it's embarrassing. And Gilliman doesn't comes, really matter because. Well, no, I'm not going to be negative. This anyway, thing go was ahead. there, was there like, this was the catalyst for Perturabo's apotheosis, like just as a sidebar. Like, he killed so many of these fucking dudes that he achieved demonhood because he did it. So, absolutely. It's <laughs> so he, he completely destroys the Imperial Fist Legion. Uh, Rubik Gilliman has to come and save them and, and take them off this planet, get them out of there. And the Legion takes years to rebuild itself and to eventually uh, be broken down into chapters. Uh, so, so that's anything y'all want to add on Rogaldorn? He's a fucking like. If first off, if you haven't read Praetorian of Dorn, I believe John French read it or wrote that book. It's yep. one of the best Horus Heresy books right now, and that is the best representation of fucking Rogaldorn being a badass that's out there as far as the Horse Heresy series goes. He's a super legit dude, and he was like, he was the rock for the Imperium when everything else was going completely to fucking, fucking shit. Like, all the other Primarchs, kind of more or less, have to be micromanaged to a point because they, you know, they... They just kind of go off and do their own thing and have their own weird quirks and shit. Rogaldorn got left with all of this power and all this responsibility and shit and was just like, use your own initiative, use your own insight, and make it happen and hold things the fuck down. And that's exactly what he did. He's like, things would have gone significantly worse if it wasn't for that dude, like, being dialed in and figuring it out. Like, all right, man, time to knock down all these pretty fucking paintings around this goddamn house. Because we got to put guns in the walls. <laughs> Shit is really going south for us. And uh, Got to stay strong for dead. He's a <laughs> pull pretty pull cool. these brooms out of this closet. Replace them with murder servitors. <laughs> yeah, fucking, yeah, out with the brooms, in with the murder servitors. <laughs> duvet out of here. I don't know if you noticed, but fuck you. Christmas is over. And we got to knock down these decorations. But... <laughs> 
he's a uh, pretty fucking awesome. Man. His legion exemplifies the kind of toughness and stoicism and, and dedication to duty, and that's definitely reflected very clearly in their rules as well. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's a uh, it's very evident in their rules. Um, but before we get into that. Anything else on the lore? I know y'all wanted to touch base on the Phalanx a little bit more because I glazed over it, and it's pretty much the yeah. biggest deal. <laughs> yeah, so the Phalanx is a huge fucking star fortress with warp engines that they can travel around that the Emperor gifted him that um, they... they uh, It's like the most powerful, basically, structure with warp engines in the entire known universe. Um... The Ramilly Starfort from uh, the old Battlefleet Gothic from um, Forge World, that old model. The Phalanx is like similar to that, looks wise, but on a even more gigantic scale, and it's it's just fucking ridiculous. And that's like the what they use is the uh, Fortress Monastery, and they keep it in orbit around Terra to be like the anchor of the space defense during the battle for Terra. Absolutely. I like how the emperor was like, "You like it? Cheers. Here's the keys. <laughs> Here's the keys. Go to town." So, absolutely massive phalanx, powerful phalanx. It doesn't move around. Oh, that's the other. It doesn't move around anymore in 40k, as far as I know. What when I I mean I did quit keeping up with the fluff here recently, but um, last I know, it uh, wasn't able to warp travel anymore. It was stuck in orbit around Terra. And last, you also know, all that's left is Robodorn is his hand. <laughs> Bones yeah. of his hand. But his imperial fist. That. His imperial fucking fist. But we don't have to cover that. So, that's fluff, guys, for you. Uh, if you're looking at starting an imperial fist army, uh, definitely, you know, I know we talk a lot about uh, what armies you should, you know, pick. You know, if you're looking for this type of army, you know, go with this style. If you want this style, go with this army. Uh, Imperial Fist. I mean, they're they're generally just a all around good army. You can pick them with any any sort of army, just like you can with you can play them with any style, just like you can with any army. Uh, but they excel at fortifications and as well as um, big tough units, big tough shield bearing units. If you really wanted to spend a whole bunch of points, so anyway. Let's go ahead and break these rules down. Uh, so first things first, uh, if you go ahead and pull up your Age of Darkness uh, Legions book here, on page 28, you'll see the Imperial Fist. Uh, first things first, the Imperial Fist have legions of star days. Units with a special rule may always attempt to regroup at their normal leadership values regardless of casualties. Uh, all Space Marines have that. Uh, they have Disciplined Fire, so units with a special rule may add plus one to the ballistic skill when using bolt guns, bolt pistols, heavy bolters, and quad heavy bolters when firing the bolter component of a combi weapon. Heavy weapon, heavy support squads with a special rule also gain the tank hunter's special rule. So, very cool. They have Disciplined Fire, so it makes their bolt, bolt guns just that much better than every other Legion. Also, Tank Hunter on... Tank Hunter on heavy support squads is legit. It actually makes them a very solid choice. Just all the time. It's just ridiculous. Does that apply to uh, Overwatch as well? No. The bonus their ballistic skill? No? Okay. Well, so, it does. You go to ballistic skill 5, and then when you snap fire, you go to ballistic skill 1. 
So, yes, it does, but you still fire ballistic go one. Okay. I just didn't know if it modified it before it replaced it or what have you. There's a order in which you modify things in the beginning of the rulebook, Derek. Okay. Well. So, blood and honor. <laughs> <laughs> Models this rule with this rule may not choose to fail morale checks. In addition, Imperial Fist characters must issue a challenge in combat if they're able to. They're controlling player choosing which characters makes a challenge where more than one character is involved. When fighting in challenges, models with this Legion Starters Imperial Fist special rule must reroll failed to hits with a roll of a one. Uh, so this is just kind of that stoic nature of them. They've got to issue challenges, uh, and they cannot choose to ever fail a morale check. It's just part of the Imperial Fist way. Uh, Unshakable Defense. Models with the Legion Starters Imperial Fist special rule are immune to pinning when claiming cover slash fighting from fortifications and barricades. Uh, so this is one of the benefits of having fortifications in Imperial Fist uh, Imperial Fist Army List. Uh, we'll go over that a little bit more later, uh, but we are going to bring up uh, some fortification uh, insight on the Imperial Fist. Uh, the Bitter End. In missions which would normally have a random game length, the Imperial Fist player's opponent can opt to play a sixth full turns instead of the roll to end the game being made. Uh, so that is a pretty big Drawback. deal. Like, yeah. So if, and just kind of remember, I think it was, is it the, uh, the Iron Warriors that have it to where you could choose to make the game yeah, go yes. a bitter end? Same. No, it's, it's the same as this, I think. Yep, same exact thing. Yeah, it's the same exact, exact thing. So it's, warriors. it's always your opponent that can always choose. Yep. Yes, it's a real motherfucker too. I got Scott on it once. Yeah, it'll it'll really piss in your cornflakes. It's like, oh man, I've got just enough objectives. We're playing another turn. <laughs> it was a Dominion mission too. Yeah, like the mission where you really don't want this to fuck you over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So those are their special rules that they all get. Um, uh, that bitter end does come up more than you'd think. Uh, so let me see here. Next thing we're going to cover here is going to be the Legion-specific war gear. So uh, some of the Legion-specific war gear is going to be the prototype war gear, which I think is fucking badass. Uh, the Vigil Pattern Storm Shield. Uh, this is going to be a... This gives the bearer a 3-plus invulnerable save, but the bearer may never claim an additional attack from being armed with two close combat weapons. Any Legion Terminator or Terminator armor independent character with the Legion Astartes Imperial Fist special rule may exchange their combi bolter for a Vigil Pattern Storm Shield for plus 15 points if equipped with standard Terminator armor or for plus 10 points if equipped with Cataphracty Terminator armor. Uh, so... I know we're going to get the question. Uh, we don't know if you can use it with Tataras. Unfortunately, we just... I don't. have a... I'm 99.9% .9 sure you can because of recent events that we won't get into, but just wait for the fact people, and I think everybody will be uh, pleasantly surprised. Okay. Yeah, so... Stop. Stop denying Earth is round. Fucking put those, <laughs> put those shields on your Tartarus. Yeah. If you want to be a man from the future, go ahead and put them shields on your Tartarus Terminators. Yeah, fuck you. Live on the wild side, you know? <laughs> if you've already, if you just already pre-ordered your Dorn, <laughs> and you already got them Prospero Terminators lying around, or no, the... Uh, no, you're right. Prospero yeah, Prospero Terminators. Tartarus. 
Start loading them up. Start eBaying, boys. Bye, bye, bye. So the next thing is a Solarite Power Gauntlet. Uh, any independent character with a Legion Star's Imperial Fist special rule that is eligible to take a Thunder Hammer may take a Solarite Power Gauntlet instead for the same points cost. A Solarite, Solarite Power Gauntlet is a close combat weapon with the following profile. Uh, it doubles the strength, AP1. It's melee, mastercrafted, and unwieldy. So that AP1 is pretty fucking brutal. Boom. And it's also, what doesn't, also, what doesn't it have that's important that a Power Fist does have? I don't know. Specialist weapon. Ooh. So you That's just by having a bolt pistol, you get an extra attack. Hey, shout out to shout out to powerful fucking Andy. I played this weekend from the. Uh, oh gosh, he, he he lives in Gibraltar. He helps out with the SN Battle Report stuff. He fucking punched my Leviathan in the face with one of these this weekend and blew it up. So, shout out to the Solarite Power Gauntlet. It's pretty Way good. <laughs> Greetings from the Ward. That's the name of his game club. I got a sticker from it. It's pretty cool. It's fucking dope. Shout out to stickers. It used to be cool and unique, and then Custodes went, hey, y'all, watch this. Let's put it on every guy. We got it. No no fucking tool bags brought those guys. They heard it. Thank God. (laughs) (laughs) They heard you were coming. (laughs) For real, though. (laughs) So next thing up the list is the Illustus... Iliastis Pattern Assault Cannon. So this Assault Cannon is a 24-inch range, Strength 6, AP4, Heavy 4, Rending with Malfunction. Uh, so roll when the Malfunction rule is when rolling to hit with the weapon, if three or more results of a 1 are rolled, then the Assault Cannon malfunctions and may not be used in the game. Make a note of your army list or otherwise <laughs> mark that this is the case. Uh, Legion Terminator squads with either the Legion Astartes Imperial Fist or Legion Astartes Blood Angel special rule may exchange any heavy flamers in the squads for an Illustus Pattern Assault Cannon for plus five points each. So somehow that's wrapped in the malfunction rule, but it's there. So you can go ahead and squeeze out some assault cannons in your army into your Imperial Fist. Just got to replace some heavy flamers with them. Only on Terminators for Imperial Fist, though, currently. Only on Terminators. So, that is going to be it for their special war gear. So, let's go ahead and cover some of these special units. You're not going to do Rights of War? Uh, That's after the units. Oh, okay. So... Uh, the first special unit they get are the Templar Brethren or the Guardians of the Temple of Oaths. Uh, so the Templar Brethren are going to be a fully kitted out. So they're coming in at Weapon Skill 5, Bliss Skill 4, Strength 4, Toughness 4, 1 Wound, Initiative 4, 2 Attacks, Leadership 8 with a 2 plus save. Uh, they're getting that 2 plus save from the Artificer Armor that they're all getting. They all got power swords. They all have bolt pistols. They all have frag and crack grenades. Uh, They have furious charge in their rules. So this is just a close combat ready unit. Uh, You You also need to point out the sergeant is leadership nine, and it also has two wounds. That is important. So the chapter champion that you can take with them has leadership nine and two wounds instead of the one, and obviously comes with his fancy artifice armor. Uh, You can take five additional Templar Brethren, uh, anyone in the squad can be given a combat shield. Up to two Templar Brethren may exchange their bolt pistols for plasma pistols. 
One Templar Brethren can take a Nuncio Vox. One Templar Brethren can carry a Legion Vexilla. The entire squad can take Meltabombs. The chapter champion may exchange their Power Sword for one of the following. A Power Axe or Power Maul, a Power Fist, a Solarite Power Gauntlet, or a Thunder Hammer. The chapter champion may exchange their Bolt Pistol for one of the following options. The Plasma Pistol and Architect Pistol. And the chapter champion may also upgrade one of their weapons to become Mastercrafted if they so choose. So, pretty solid unit choice. Obviously, more geared towards close combat. And, unfortunately, their single wound count doesn't help them out too much. Well, and lack of an involve save. Yeah, that kind of bites. So, You can't give them combat shields, but they're not. I'm yeah. not a big combat shield guy. They look cool on a model, but... Just don't do a lot. So next up is going to be the Phalanx Warder Squad. Uh, this is going to be a fast attack choice. Uh, this is going to be a weapon skill 4, ballistic skill 4, strength 4, toughness 4, 1 wound, initiative 4, 1 attack, leadership 8. Uh, Veteran Sergeant has leadership 9. Uh, this is going to be a squad in power armor with bolt guns, bolt, pist bolt pistols, boarding shields, frag and crack grenades. Uh, their special, shield special rules include shield wall and hardened armor. Uh, so the shield wall special rule means phalanx warders are renowned for their close combat, close order discipline, and defensive tactics, shielding their comrades from harm in the press of melee with selfless bravery. If an unengaged unit with this special rule has at least five models remaining, it gains a bonus of plus one weapon skill in any turn in which the unit has been charged by the enemy. Friendly models and characters joining the squad also benefit from this special rule, as long as five models with the shield wall special rule are still alive. So they get plus one uh, to their weapon skill as long as there's five of them and they because they're just kind of doing the old phalanx style where they hunker down together and stab you through the wall. So what do they get to take? Any models may replace their bolt gun with a power axe. For every five models in the unit, one phalanx warder may replace their bolt gun with one of the following weapons. A combi weapon, a flamer, a breaching charge, a melted gun, a plasma gun, a thunder hammer. One phalanx warder may be upgraded to carry a nuncio vox. One may be upgraded to carry a legion vexilla. Uh, the veteran sergeant may exchange their bolt pistol or bolt gun for the following: a power weapon of any type, a power fist, a plasma pistol, or a thunder hammer. The veteran sergeant may take one of the following options: uh, he can upgrade to artificer armor, or you take melt bombs. So, you can. It also the squad starts at five. You can buy it up to twenty. Up to twenty dudes. A big old fucking shield wall. Of Phalanx Warders. And you can give them all power axes. See how that works out yeah. for you. Yeah. <laughs> Throw them inside of a Stormlord. So, back onto their special units. Uh, the At this point, we're moving on to HQ choices. Uh, so... We're going to go ahead and bring up Sigismund. That's going to be the first song. He's weapon skill 7, ballistic skill 4, strength 4, toughness cool. 4, 4 wounds, initiative 5, 4 attacks, leadership 10, 2 up save. He's got artificer armor, kraken frag grenades, iron halo, black sword, the, the black sword, and mastercrafted bolt pistol. His special roles include Legion Starter's Imperial Fist. He's an independent character, master of the Legion, eternal warrior. He's fearless. He has adamantium will. He has Dolores Fighter. He's Death's Champion. 
He has precision strikes, and he's also the warlord. Uh, if your if Sigmundson is your army's warlord, he has the Slayer of Kings trait rather than rolling randomly. Uh, so, what does Death Champion mean? Uh, a somber and deadly warrior, both both indefatigable and remorseless in the fray, Sigismund is to onlookers less a mortal warrior, but rather some unstoppable agency of the dark fates. This led none other than the Primarch Sanguinius to remark of him that he seemed less my brother's Dorn champion and more deaths himself. <clears throat> so, therefore, Sigismund and the he joins with Legion Stardust's Imperial Fist Special Rule get plus one initiative when they charge and may reroll both failed charge distances and sweeping advance rolls. Uh, if Sigismund is present in any detachment, that the that then that detachment may take Templar Brethren as troop choices. Uh, he also has a Dolores Fighter rule, which means Sigismund's skill is legendary, even among the transhuman warriors of the Legions of Sardes, and none can match his instinctive cha- talent for dealing death and finding the merest chink in enemy's guard to exploit to their undoing. Sigismund must always issue and or accept challenges where possible. Note that this takes precedence over the usual rules for the Legion. When fighting in a challenge, Sigismund attacks have the instant death special rule, and successful and vulnerable saves taken against his attacks must be re-rolled. So, he also has the Black Sword, which is a plus two strength AP2 weapon that's melee and two-handed. So that's pretty brutal. And his Warlord trait, Slayer of Kings, if Sigismund is the army's warlord, then should he slay the enemy warlord in the challenge, his controlling player gains plus one victory point and all models of Sigismund's army add plus one to their combat resolution score and assaults for the rest of the battle. So that'd be so tight if you ever pulled that off. Yeah, so This guy's a bad motherfucker. Don't listen to Aaron Dipsky Bowden. This guy will fucking kill a whole unit of Sevatars. Bring yeah, ten of them motherfuckers oh. on. He'll run through them things like shit through a goose. He does not give any fucks this dude. He, he will straight up kick the shit out of you right in front of your spouse. Like, he doesn't care. <laughs> so keep your warlords away from this dude. And don't forget, because a lot of his rules kick in the challenge, One of the he's he is uh, Legion Astartes Imperial Fist, so he gets to reroll ones when he misses in a challenge as well. So as he's slicing and dicing you with his precision strikes, like, he's, uh, which doesn't make much sense in a challenge, but... He's uh, <laughs> he's doing it while re-rolling ones. Yep. And, you know, being weapon skill 7 and all. So next up is Alexis Pollux. He's weapon skill 6, bliss skill 4, strength 5, toughness 4, weapons 3 wounds, initiative 5, 3 attacks, leadership 10, and he's got a 3-up armor save. So he comes loaded out with void-hearted power armor which you do as a commander. Uh, frag and crack grenades, iron halo, mastercrafted power fist, vigil powder and storm shield, and a commie melta. Uh, his special rules include uh, Legion of Stars, Imperial Fist, of course. He's an independent character, master of the Legion, avoid commander, a, he's got the special rule hammer blow, and then warlord trait, master tactician. So uh, for the void commander rule, uh, Alexis Paulus was a highly skilled commander and formidable tactician, particularly in the fields of Voidborn combat and Zomortalis operation. Pollux and any unit he has joined may opt to pass or fail any morale checks or pinning tests they are required to make. In addition, one infantry type unit with Legion Stardust Imperial Fist special rule 
in an army containing Alexis Paulus may gain the Deep Strike special rule, noted as being it via teleportation, where this is a factor in the type of game being played. So that's actually a really big deal that'll come in handy uh, once you learn more about Zumortalis if you're a new player. Uh, but that it's it's a pretty fucking big deal to be able to deep strike into the Zumortalis. I, I got a question. I got a when you get are you at the end of this warlord trait yet? This uh, void commander thing? Yeah, I'm there. Okay. Go back to page twenty eight. Okay. I hope somebody from Forge World is listening to this. Okay, there. Read, read the read the first sentence of twenty eight. No, sorry. Read the first sentence of Blood and Honor. Special models with this special rule may not choose to fail morale checks. In addition, may not. Okay, that's just stop there. May not choose to fail morale checks. I'll go read his Void Commander thing. Uh. Holix in any unit he has joined may voluntarily choose to pass or fail any morale check. Except they can't. So they, I guess they can voluntarily choose to pass. <laughs> cool. I don't know. Wah, wah. May opt to pass or fail any morale checks or pitting tests. Yeah, I can see where that would come in handy in Zomortalis, but <laughs> I, I, not being able to opt to fail. Yeah. It's a con- contradicting Anyway, just throwing that out there. Good catch. So, his other special rule was Hammer Blow. Such was Pollock's strength and focus of will, even for one of the Legions of Stardes, that he was able to deliver a single crushing blow with his power fist as easily as one of his brothers might have swung a sword. At the end of any assault phase, Pollock's controlling player may opt to lower his attack's characteristic to one, but in doing so ignores the unwieldy special rule for his power fist for that phase. Note that this would still mean he receives two attacks on the charge. And then he also has the Warlord Master Tactician. After both sides are deployed, but before which but, but before which side gets the first turn is determined, the Warlord side may redeploy one of their units within the limitations of the mission being played. This may place a unit that has been deployed normally into reserve or bring a unit out of reserve. Sneaky little git. Okay. Nice. Yeah, do the old razzle dazzle on somebody. Sneaky Peterson. <laughs> so, coming at you live next is Rogaldorn. Powerful, powerful Primarch of the Imperial Fist, the Vigilant, the Blade of the Emperor, the Praetorian of Terra, and the Unyielding One. So he comes in at weapon skill 8, ballistic skill 5, strength 6, toughness 6, 6 wounds, initiative 5, 4 attacks, leadership 10, and a 2 plus save. His war gear includes the Ulrich armor, which is that powerful golden armor you see, Storm's Teeth, the Voice of Terra, Teleport Homer, and Frag Grenades. His special rules include the Primark. Special rule, which gives him independent character, eternal warrior, fear, adamantium will, fleet, fearless, it will not die, master of the legion, precision strikes, and precision shots. He also has Sire of the Imperial Fist. He has Sundering Blow. He has Unshakable Defense. And he has the Bulky special rule. So, what does Sire of the Imperial Fist give him? So, that lets Rogaldorn in any unit he joins have the Crusade and Furious Charge special rule. 
All models with allegiance to Stardust Imperial Fist Special Rule in the same army as Rogodorn may use his leadership mm. value instead, rather than taking their own for the purposes of morale checks and pinning tests while he is in play. Both Rogodorn and any model within the Legion of Stardust Imperial Fist Special Rule add plus D3 to their assault results to determine who wins an assault while his model is in play. Phalanx Breacher squads and Legion Terminator squads may be taken as troop choices for an Imperial Fist Army primary detachment with Rogodorn as its warlord. He also has the Sundering Blow special. So, at the cost of having his number of attacks rounded down after any bonus attacks for Rampage, etc. have been rolled for, Rogodorn's controlling player may opt to increase the strength of his attacks by plus two and grant the attacks the instant death special roll. So he's just got to half it up, and he gets plus two strength. He also has the Unshakable Defense special rule. If Rogaldorn's is our army's warlord, then after deployment, but before the game begins, the controlling player may select up to three fortifications or pieces of terrain sufficient to provide a cover save. Cover saves rolls of a one, and pinning tests taken by models protected by those terrain features or fortification may be re-rolled. So he just points them out, and they fucking get bulkier and heavier. Then he also has the Ulrich armor. Fashion, it is said, from the same Ulrich adamantium alloy as the Emperor's own warplate. The Ulrich armor provides Rogaldorn with a 2-plus armor save and a 4-plus invulnerable save. In addition, no attack may wound Rogaldorn on better than a 3-plus, regardless of strength or special rules. Note that destroyer weapons attacks are in effect. <laughs> Those will get him. Storm Teeth. Storm's Teeth. This colossal chain blade, too weighty for any but a Primarch to wield, it is said to have been crafted from the weaponsmiths of Inuit before coming of the Emperor. Before the coming of the Emperor. Its razor teeth can shred metal, stone, and flesh with ease, and while the Primarchs of the Imperial Fist Legion has many arms at its disposal, some relics are far greater power. It is the blade which has served him faithfully for so long he favors most. So this is normal strength as user, AP2, melee, shred, rampage, reaping blow. Reaping blow is um, minus one initiative, but you gain an additional attack if you have more than one model in base to base with you. So he's coming mm -hmm. in at initiative four, strength six, AP2. Five attacks plus one. Yeah, that's still going to do some damage. Well, he's got Rampage, so if he's outnumbered, he gets D3. If he's charging, he gets plus one. And then he'd get another plus one if he's got more than one model in base space with him, which is likely if you're getting the Rampage bonus. <sighs> so if he goes crazy. If he maxed out at attacks, he'd be five on the charge, three for Rampage, so that's eight, and then plus one for Reaping Blow. So he can have nine attacks. Yeah, he's doing well. He's doing all right for himself. <laughs> so next up, he's also the voice of Terra. Uh, presented to Rogaldorn by the Custodian Guard to honor the Primarch's appointment to the Praetorian of Terra. Praetorian, Praetorian of Terra. This tactical bolter follows the pattern of the Legion's Custodian's own weaponry. I'll bet resigned for the hand of the, ta of the might of a Primarch to wield. The voice of Terra is a 24-inch range, strength 5, AP 4. Uh, it's a salvo 3-5 with rending. So it's pure shit. <laughs> Bummer town. 
Well, the problem is he's not. We were just talking about this. He's not relentless. So if he shoots it, he can't charge because you can't charge after firing salvo weapons. And he's way better in assault. And then if he moves, he has to. It only shoots twelve inches. It only shoots three times. Boy, that lack of relentless so. will get you every time. The other thing I would like to point out was under unshakable defense. Unshakable defense. It says uh, cover saves of a one and pinning test taken by models protected by uh, fortifications may be re-rolled. As part of uh, Imperial Fist rules, they get unshakable defense where it says uh, models are immune to pinning tests while claiming cover fighting for fortifications. So being able to re-roll pinning tests you automatically pass isn't uh, super useful. It would affect allied attachments, though. Mm, yeah. Or if yeah, your opponent I guess so. takes the fortification from you. <laughs> For real. It benefits, <laughs> your, it benefits your opponents more than you if you're all Imperial Fist Army. They say, hey, did y'all see what, it, did you see what Rogel Doran was doing in that building over there? Let's go hide in that. I think, I think we should hide in that building. <laughs> the the re-rolling cover saves of a one is pretty legit because I've said this before as a tactic. You could take like a a big uh, tactical squad and put them behind an Aegis wall or on a fortification or whatever. And then when somebody gets close, you fury the Legion, shoot the fuck out of them. And then because you can't fire the next turn because you're reloading, you just go, go, to, go to ground behind the Aegis wall or whatever. So when you go to ground behind an Aegis wall, you get a two-up cover. Well, then you get to reroll your failed one. So you basically get a two-up rerollable cover save while you're reloading. And then when you pop back up, you fury again. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Rinse, repeat, boys. Uh, so one of the special things that uh, that Rogel Dorn gets as well, he also gets the Atos Dios. Following several attempts on Rogel Dorn's life following the outbreak of the Horus Heresy, the Magos Teleria constructed for him a heavily customized personal gunship to convey him both in battle and to shield him as he conducted missions in respect of the defenses of Terra. This can be represented as a unique Thunderhawk gunship equipped with a turbo laser, which differs from the standard profile in that it possesses a single Titan Void Shield, the It Will Not, it will not Die special rule, and an invulnerable save of a 4-plus against any missile-type weapon used against it. The Atos Dios costs 600 points and may t- be taken as a dedicated transport for Roboldorn in any game of 3,000 points aside or more. It does not take up the Lords of War choice where this is relevant. So, baller. Yeah, baller status. Ronnie case. James Dio. Fuck yeah, man. Yeah. It's not so some bunk ass shadow sword. It's a full flow full fledged Thunderhawk, kid. See how far off planet you get on your shadow sword, Perturabo. So Scott was almost gonna say something. I was waiting for it. That's you know what I waited. Michael, Michael's right. Michael's right. <laughs> I'll give you this one, fucking Bonalongo. I'll give you this one. I, I paused, hey, anticipating. Seriously it. though, if anyone's looking for some inspiration on how to make a cool fucking Ronnie James Dio Thunderhawk, there's this Facebook channel called Templars Crusade One. It's big ass fucking British dude, and he made this uh this Thunderhawk that he sculpted like these um. I don't know what this art is called, but it's real reminiscent of any kind of like 
15th century Italian citadel work where they just take like a marble wall and they carve like not like three dimensional figures into it like flat mostly but you can clearly see where they're like coming out like like imagine like a relief. A, it's called a relief yeah there you go yeah like a three dimensional Sistine Chapel well he made one of these fucking Thunderhawks, like the, the Ronnie James Dio version, and it is fucking sweet. So look that shit up on YouTube. That's a Templar's Crusade One, I think is was his name. I don't know if he still puts out videos or not, but he did a fucking awesome job on that thing. And I remember seeing it. Good God, <laughs> that tattoo have taken forever. So fuck yeah, I have to check that out. I I I want to say I know about Templar's Crusade, but I don't. I, I've tried looking it up, but I can't find it. But we'll verify it, guys. Is it Facebook or YouTube? Uh, YouTube. YouTube. If I said Facebook, fucking. You said Facebook that. Facebook channel. I was like, this yeah. is two things. <laughs> it's fucking, you know, whatever. He's got a, he's got a, he's got a <laughs> cool opening. Right? It's all the same. Fucking the internet, Stitcher Tubes. <laughs> it's YouTube, Templar's Crusade 1. I know he did one of those, and it was fucking sweet, man. I don't. Like, I have very limited in stuffing skills, but he did this to a, like, perfection. I found it. It's Templar's Crusade 01. Got to make sure you put the zero in or else you won't be able to find it. And I'll try and find the Thunderhawk. It's too late. Okay. So, yeah, that is going to be it for all the special units that you get with Imperial Fist. Uh, any that stand out for you, Ryan? Any that you're just overly impressed with, or anything like that? Any you want to call out? It's being the way to what, go. What do you mean, like, like the special units, like that we went over? Or just so any. both. Okay, well, all of their characters are good. So, Pollux, uh, Sizigmund, and Dorn, I think, are all extremely good for their points. I think Dorn is the second cheapest Primarch. He's only th- three eighty-five. I think. Uh, only Fulgrim's cheaper. Um, so for his points, he's pretty strong. Uh, Templar Brethren are okay. Their problem with them, so they're pretty good on anti-tank because the whole squad can have melt bombs um, And they're decent on armor save, being a 2-plus armor save. Their problem is a lack of an invul save, which we kind of talked about, and really a lack of AP2. The lack of AP2 can be overcome because you can throw in a Praetor with a Paragon Blade or throw in Sizigmund or something like that. And then obviously the champion can have his uh, Solarite Gauntlet or whatever you want. So the rest of the guys having Power Swords isn't horrible because you know you can just kind of do wind of attacks against things that uh, also have a 2-plus armor save you're fighting and then just let Sizigmund and the champion like kill off anything with the 2-up save and just kind of use the other guys as a Blade of Wounds. Like I said, their biggest issue is probably lack of an invulnerable save. Um, putting the character in there to tank will help a little bit, but these are de- this is definitely a squad you'll want to include an apothecary in, in my opinion, and some type of uh, tanky character. And you're going to want to buy these guys a decent transport that gets them there intact um, because they'll die pretty quick once they start taking fire because they're just tough four dudes and they don't have any type of invulnerable save. So these guys get shot at with fucking plasma guns or any type of the eight phosphex that's the ap2 version or anything like that you're just basically picking up a pretty expensive fucking squad of guys absolutely so, 
these guys are certainly playable. Um, another issue is that they don't score, but the, the nice thing is you can take um, Sizigmund and make them troops. I always tell people, because these guys are so expensive, they're 175 for just five guys, and they're 25 points a guy. So, um, what is that? They're, uh, let's see, two, they're 300 points for 10 guys. Is that right? Yeah. It's pretty damn expensive. That's 30 points a dude for just a one-wound guy with a two-up save with no fucking invulnerable. So... Uh, I mean, putting that many points in something that doesn't score, that's kind of fragile and all that. So I kind of feel like these are either run them with Sizzigmund or don't run them at all. That's a powerful statement there, Ryan. But I get it. It would make sense. Definitely in a transport, if not with Sizzigmund. And, well, I guess just in general. They, in they would probably they'd probably be able be fine on their own in Zone Mortalis because elite units become scoring in Zone. So they would they would score without him, and then in zone you can kind of hide and stuff around corners. You're not going to, you know, you can kind of dictate whether or not you're getting shot with fucking AP two weapons. And an open battlefield game, it's pretty hard to keep things hidden from a, a you know, canny opponent. So that's kind of how I feel about him. It just takes um, too many turns to get across, and then to stay safe the entire time just doesn't make sense. Yeah. Phalanx Warders. How do I put this nicely? These guys are pure fucking hot garbage. Um, <laughs> they're probably... They're arguably the worst unit in all of Legion of Stardis in all of the Heresy. That's all you gotta say. <laughs> these guys These guys can have a slap fight with uh, Pyroclast and uh, Ashen Circle just f- find out who is the scrape in the bottom of the barrel. Um, but I might actually put those other two units over these guys, and that's pretty fucking sad. Is it points, or is it just... uh... It's definitely points, 100%, but it's also their rules. Like, they just don't... I mean, I don't really know what the hell you're supposed to do with them. Like, they don't have any anti-tank capability at all, um, other than you can give one in five guys some type of special weapon and then you can give the sergeant alone melt bombs. So unless you're just like, you know, clamping crack grenades on a fucking rhino, which any tactical schmo can do for like a third of the points cost. Um, they're not really that. And then speaking of tactical Marines, these guys don't have any extra damage output than a tactical Marine does. They're just got a fucking bolt gun and a bolt pistol. Um, People will say, yeah, but they can take power axes. Yeah, but you have to pay for it on each individual guy. Um, they're already fucking 25 and a half points a dude <laughs> for 10 of them. And then you're going to make them uh, 35 and a half points a guy to give them a fucking power axe. And they're just a fucking breacher that doesn't score. I'm all set. <laughs> Good lord. A 350 point unit of. Breachers with power axes. You find some use for that. Solar Ox have been doing it for half the price for years. They're just not. I don't know. They're just kind of a weird unit. They. I feel like their their rules don't really. I mean, the shield wall thing, I guess, is kind of a thing. 
but not really. I mean, it. I don't know. Like, you you're basically getting rewarded for like you. It only works when you're being charged, which is one of those things. It's like you don't want to be charged. Like you don't want to you know let the enemy charge you. Typically, like you want to be the one dictating the action. So you're you basically to to use a rule. You have to do something you shouldn't be doing. I don't know. Just not a fan. Like I feel like these guys would be way better suited with some type of uh, if they had counterattack or if they overwatched at a higher ballistic skill or maybe both and were less points. But and until that's made, had, that change is made. Yeah, or had implacable advance. But yeah, these guys are just not very good. And I don't know why you wouldn't just take normal breachers over these guys. Normal breachers will fulfill a compulsory slot. Um, they score their cheaper points and they do pretty much the exact same shit. And every guy can have them to bomb and make them actually a dual threat against both vehicles and infantry. Nicely said. Hopefully all the new listeners understand and all the new Imperial Fist players haven't already bought their Phalanx Water Squad. Well, if you bought them, I mean, because they're just guys in power armor with boarding shields, um, just use them as normal breachers. That's what I see a lot of guys do is just buy the Phalanx Water Kits because they like the models and just use them as standard breachers. I know I would. I love those that kit. It's hard not to get that kit. <sighs> Anything else you want to touch base so, on? Not on as far as units. I think that's, that's pretty much it. Like I said, uh, I think Sizzlemond is probably he's arguably the best independent character in all of the Space Marine legions outside of you know a primarch obviously but just as far as like a non-primarch independent character it, like as far as just raw killing ability yeah you know against other he is raw killing ability like <laughs> yeah let there let there be no mistake yeah i mean he's pretty much going to take out any anything in a challenge that's not another primarch he's not something you want to fucking be on the receiving end of yeah don't go up and just start fucking poking that dude he's not not about yeah the fact you can't yeah. just pop him kind of sucks <laughs> he's gonna be he's like a fucking bulldog um the other thing i guess it's more of a tactic for fighting him but like say you have a tactical squad i mean they're gonna die to him anyway but you want him to hold him up like maybe a turn a lot of times people when you know sysman will charge in and he has to challenge so like, i challenge and most people will just be like well i'm gonna die anyway so i might as well accept with my sergeant well he only gets about half of his special rules when he's in a challenge. So you're actually better off if you're just trying to hold him up to just to turn down the challenge and let your sergeant be a coward and just let him attack the unit because at least he doesn't get to like re-roll a bunch of shit. Because those wounds do those do wounds do spill over. So if you're like, yeah, fine, I accept the challenge, then he's like re-rolling everything and just murders more of the squad plus your sergeant. Yeah, and let's so. be real here. Your fucking sergeant is not going to be like, oh, I got this. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's going to be like, ooh. <laughs> is that Sigismund? I've been waiting for the day. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like it's my turn to get made into the Horus Heresy character series. <laughs> like, no, it's not. Just the, other, the other thing I'd like to point out that may not be just like super apparent jump off the page is Alexis Pollux is strength 5 base, and he has a power fist, which makes him double to 10. So he's got the pre a fairly rare 
uh, for Space Marines at least, uh, strength 10 close combat attacks on an infantry model. Damn. The Super Fisto. And, and add initiative if that if he wants. Can, yeah, like, so if you're fu- yeah, so if you're fighting like, you know, somebody else, because you, you don't have Eternal Warrior on this guy, um, he does have a Storm Shield, which is a 3-up invul, but you may, like, say you're fighting somebody else that has a Power Fist, um, which could double you out, you might, uh, say they have like a 4-up save or whatever, if you charged in where you're getting four attacks on the charge, you may decide to drop it down two attacks and just swing at him with two attacks um, mm. to try to just sneak one through at initiative without even risking. Drop that Hadouken in there. Yeah. Just handle business. Or, like, you charge into a knight that's like uh, sitting at like one or two hole points. You know, you got it whittled down, but you have to charge in to finish it off. You can fight it before it goes at initiative five with Pollux and like punch it those hopefully those two times and just rip that last whole point off and get rid of it before it desorts you. It lets you pick. It lets you set the stand. It lets you set the narrative there. It's he's yeah. flexible. He's flexible. He's like a guy with a good wrestling game in MMA. He can dictate where the fight goes. <laughs> that right, Scott? That's right. Fucking wrestlers, man. Watch out for those guys. <laughs> All right, so let's go ahead and move into the unique rights of war. So the first one, it's going to be the one that's pretty popular, the unique right of war, the Stone Gauntlet. So this means Phalanx Water Squads may be taken as troop choices for the detachment using this right of war. Uh, Resolve of Stone, any models as attachment with the Legion Starters Imperial Fist Special Rule equipped with their either boarding shields or storm shield who is in the unit co- coherency with at least two other models who also fit these criteria get a plus one bonus to their toughness this bonus may not be claimed if the unit the model is part of or has made that the unit is part of has made either a run move or a charge move or a sweeping advance move in the current player turn uh, shield charge a model with its detachment with the Legion Stardust Imperial Fist Special Rule, equipped with either a boarding shield or a storm shield, who is part of the unit coherency with at least two other models who also have this cri- with also fit these criteria, gains the Hammer of Wrath Special Rule. So, limitations. Uh, compulsory cheap choices for the attachment using the Rod of War must be made up of Legion Preacher squads. Detachments using this Rod of War may not deploy models using the Deep Strike Special Rule. And units which must deploy by this method, therefore, cannot be chosen as part of the detachment. Detachment using this route of war cannot take more elite choices and fast attack choices than in the in total than they have troop choices in the detachment. So, for example, a detachment with three troop choices could take three choices made of fast attacks, elites, or a combination of the two. With the exception of leaders champion type, Detachment using this route of war may only take a single council as part of their HQ choices. So, that is the Stone Gauntlet route of war. Anything you want to say about that, Ryan? Um, I think it's it's an okay route of war. It's fairly solid. I think it's pretty overblown. There's a lot of people that think this is like... I don't know. I've heard talk of people thinking it's like super powerful or whatever. I don't, I don't particularly see that. Breachers are... Basically, everything that has a boarding shield or a storm shield is 
really, 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 really expensive. And they all have one wound, typically, unless it's a character. Um, on all these units, it's not like they have some two-wound Terminator unit with Storm Shields or anything like that. So, it's it's okay. Um, I, I um, it's it doesn't like super blow my skirt up. Um, so yeah, it's playable. It's not super powerful. Uh, I think the drawbacks are relatively easy to get around. Not being able to take anything that deep strikes is fairly rough. Um, because it you know if you wanted to, a lot of people like running leviathans or whatever drop pods. It shuts that down. You know where you're, so you're basically just driving or walking at the enemy. So it definitely makes sense fluff wise. It's just that's probably the biggest restriction in this. The elites and fast, um, like I said, that's not that huge of a deal because you're going to have to take two troops anyway, um, and you're going to be spending so many points on those uh, breachers. Typically, um, it's it's usually not a big deal to be limited that way. Some powerful insight from the powerful Kimmel. And then you would just take Breachers instead of Phalanx Water Squads? Or? Yeah, we've went over that. There's yeah. no reason to... Ever, yeah. This just wouldn't make them better. I gotcha. Yeah. I mean, I get like... It, you're just absolutely... The only reason you would ever take those Phalanx Warders is, like I said, if you're just absolutely in love with the fluff. Because, I mean, like I said, model-wise, you can build those guys and just use them as... Breachers. So if you're just in love with the models, you can just use them as breachers. So really, it would just be a, from a pure fluff standpoint. If you just are just super balls deep in the fluff of the those guys, then take them. But <laughs> man, they're rough. Woo, are they rough rules wise? So speaking of Phalanx Water Squads, their next unique route of war <laughs> is the Hammerfall Strike Force. So Hammerfall yeah, Strike. We've Force. went over this. We've went over this right of war quite a few times. You know how I feel about it. But go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. So the the effects is it has landing force, which Phalanx Water Squads may be taken as troop choices in a detachment using this right of war. Uh, teleportation array. Teleport transponders may be taken by any infantry unit with the Ale- Legion Sardes Imperial Fist Special Rule at 15 points for a squad and 10 points for an independent character. Blinding luminescence. Units deploying by Deep Strike via teleportation gain the Shrouded Special Rule from the moment they are placed on the table until the beginning of the next player turn. In addition, every enemy unit within 12 inches in line of sight of the Deep Striking unit must take a blind test at the end of the phase. Limitations. Any vehicle taken in the army must begin the game held in reserve. The army may not include a fortification detachment or an allied detachment. So, Hammerfall Strike Force. How do you feel about that, Ryan? (laughs) it's just not good. Like it's the restrictions are awful. Um, and all you really gain out of it is getting to deep strike. But the problem is it doesn't modify the turn in which you arrive via deep strike. So you're going to have to wait until turn two to start rolling normally for your guys. And because you don't have access to a fortification, you can't even take a comms relay to make that reliable. And because all your vehicles begin the game in reserve, even if you took a fucking Proteus to try to make oh, it more reliable Jesus, or a Damocles, you, it's not going to be on the board to benefit from that either. So any vehicles you take have to go in reserve. And then if you try to take advantage of the deep strike thing, that shit's going to be in reserve. So what are you going to start on the fucking board? That is hot shit. Something, Jesus <laughs> something that can live, hopefully. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. But you get what I'm saying? Like it, it's just last words. 
Yeah. I mean, it's it's essentially in order to be safe and and use it without going crazy, you're only going to more than likely only be holding in reserve maybe one or two units. So you're taking this whole fucking right of war and, with, and all those restrictions to get that for one or two units when you're messing with a legion that can just take terminators and buy deep strike for them or can take Alexis Pollux and give any unit he wants deep strike. So there's just much better ways in the legion itself to get that ability and still deep strike multiple units while also not having all those shitty restrictions. Solid. Solid and brutal. I think, that, I think that this this right of war really needs like where the units you place in reserve as part of the right of war can start rolling for reserves turn one. Then it would make sense. Yeah, that'd be pretty powerful. That would make it a really sought after right of war, to be honest with you. Well, I mean, drop assault Vanguard. You can put, you know, you get to jump in all your assault. Marines turn one. Get half your pods turn one. Taking roll for reserves turn one. Um, there's the the Blood Angel Right of War. Um, Day of Revelation. You get your your jump infantry guys turn one. There's several rights of war that allow you to deep strike turn one. Uh, and, and they're a mix of generic and specific. I gotcha. It's just one of those I just don't, I truly don't understand. Yeah. The whole not being able, like, I don't know. That's just a core rule thing that needs to hopefully one day get updated and get adjusted. But what? Uh, reserves and when you start rolling for reserves and bringing things on. Well, I think it's fine. It's fine rolling for reserves on turn two. I mean, that's part of the game. I just think that when you have this right of war like this, they need to really fucking. It doesn't really give you that much. So, like, if you look at rights of war that I feel like are an equal power level, like the second Raven Guard one, there's hardly any restrictions to it. Yeah. And it's because of the right. The right. So, the thing that makes the right of war good is that you get a few special rules. They're not great. It's not like fucking, you know, knock your socks off, but. There's so little restrictions. It's kind of like if, if there's not really a right of war, you know, like, like if you're building an army where you don't need any specific right of war, it's one of those things you can just kind of tack on as an afterthought and get, you know, a few rules. That's kind of how I feel about this particular right of war, except it comes with this horrible, <coughs> a bunch of horrible restrictions. And then on top of it, I don't think they thought it through on what, disallowing a fortification and disallowing vehicles means for, you know, any type of reserve manipulation. Right. Yeah. It does kind of break down the playability of it. So, yeah, I would stay well away from this right of war. It's Salamander right of war level. <laughs> so it's just two for the fist. I couldn't find another one. Am I missing one? No, it's two. all Marines. All Marines only have two. Okay. So that is going to be it for Rights of War. Any Rights of War you think are uh, anything y'all can think of or any Rights of War, Ryan, that you think are great for Imperial Fist? Um, Pride of the Legion or um, Chosen Duty where you can get, take veterans as troops or Terminators as troops, vets as troops or whatever. 
more more veterans um, because you can take marksman vets, uh, and then with the uh, just generic legion ability, they go to BS five, <coughs> which is pretty cool. It gives you more hits, so then it gives you more chances to roll for the rins on the back end. And vets are pretty cheap, you know. And then you can give all those guys um, melt bombs or whatever, where they're kind of a dual threat. Um, so that would be pretty cool. You could even just run. It would be fairly fluffy too. You could put those vets in like. You could take the armored spearhead, or you, you could either take Pride of the Legion or, uh, like the Chosen Duty, and then take Land Raiders as heavy support, or you could work it to where you took a few tactical squads and took uh, armored spearhead, where you get Land Raiders as dedicated, and then work in some vets. Then you could have dudes with uh, vets with melt bombs charging out of land raiders clamping melt bombs on shit and then still have your ballistic skill five um bolters bolt bolt gun that you know possibility becomes ap2 which seems pretty cool and it seems very imperial fist like your bolter guys being able to uh, just concentrate fire and snipe the fuck out of shit because you know they're supposed to be like super drilled and bolt guns or whatever um i also like I also really like combi weapons on Terminators because if you think Terminators usually come with a a, a combi bolter, so they they basically have a twin link bolt gun, and when you when you upgrade to a combi weapon, you get that combi part, but once you fire it, you're just stuck with a standard bolt gun, which then you know if you miss with it, you don't get any rerolls. So it's kind of like you're like ah fuck, I kind of had to give up this decent twin link gun for this combi weapon, which is good, but then once it's fired. Well, with Imperial Fist, that drawback gets negated a lot because you are Ballistic Skill 5. With that Bolter, you're not going to use the Twin Length as often anyway. So I feel like Imperial Fist um, Terminators, if you throw a bunch of combi weapons on them, you can put them with Pollux or have Pollux take them deep strike. So like my uh, favorite trick for building an Imperial Fist list that I do for friends is take a full 10-man Cataphracty squad give them all combi plasmas and then give two, give eight of them combi plasmas and then give two of them assault cannons. And then they deep strike in and you can unload on something with all that plasma and assault cannon to try to kill it. And then going forward, you have this big, tough, stompy unit running around their backfield with a bunch of power fists that still has BS5 bolt guns. Fuck yeah. That's solid. So, I like that. I think that's pretty cool. Um... If you run Stone Gauntlet, I mean, obviously you're going to have, you know, Breachers in. And Breachers are primarily armed with uh, Bolt Guns. So once again, that's a unit that's going to benefit from the, the special rule where they get the plus one Ballistic skill. So I guess the cool thing about Imperial Fist is their basic Legion ability, which is the, the plus one BS to all Bolter weapons, comes into play so often. Because Marines, like... You know, almost everything has a bolt pistol, and like 75% of the units have some form of bolt gun in the unit. Um, it's something that you're going to get tons and tons and tons of use out of. Where um, there's other legions that have special rules, but, you know, they may not, you know, get to bring them to bear as often. Where the Imperial Fist ones, you're going to be able to use, you know, every turn. Absolutely. Everything does have a bolt pistol, bolt gun. You know, they're everywhere. Yeah. I mean, not everything, not everything, everything, but yeah, a lot of things do. So, like, uh, 
Jet like so you so you, you take jet bikes. Jet bikes have heavy bolters on them. So those are gonna be BS five on your jet bikes. Be pretty scary. Um, attack bikes have both a twin link bolter and possibly a heavy bolter. Those would both both go to BS five. Um, so you could get double the benefit there. Uh, just heavy heavy bolter heavy support, but I don't, I'm not a big fan of that even with this ability. I mean, I've seen people do it, but I still feel like because they also gain tank hunter, I guess they would just shred the fuck out of land speeders and stuff. Like it'd be no joke against that. Like you're always fucking hitting, getting a reroll, all that. But I still think it, because you get the tank hunter, you're way better off taking like, you know, missile Anything. launchers or last cannons. <laughs> yeah, that hits hits a lot harder. Um, then that's the other thing: getting the tank hunter on the heavy support choices. I mean. Do not sleep on a unit of like a big unit of fucking last cannon guys with tank hunter for free. And then you can throw in a master of the signal and increase their ballistic skill by one. So they're, you know, hitting on twos. And then you could put them in a fortification or around a fortification with an ammo dump where they then reroll ones. So they're basically hitting on twos with the reroll, you know, with tank hunter. You're basically never going to miss whatever. I mean, that's a lot to stack on them. I don't think you need all that. Like even just putting a master signal in or near them another trick i've seen done you take the master of the signal you put it with quad mortars so that when the quad mortars fire he can attach his bombardment to it so his bombardment flips off the quad mortar fires because a lot of the thing that a lot of people don't understand about how barrage works all the barrage weapons in one unit get joined together even if they're not the same profile right so you can fire you can fire the quad mortars and flip all your quad mortars and get all your markers out there and then flip the large blasts of the master of the signal off all of the small blasts that you've basically laid with the preliminary bombardment from the um, quad mortars. Quad mortars. And then his ability to give a unit plus one ballistic skill is actually a ranged effect. I think it's with six inches. So you can just put the heavy weapons unit close. He doesn't actually have to be joined to it, and he can um, throw it on him. And it's kind of cool for like a really good backfield unit. You could do like a, an Aegis wall or a void shield generator or something to make like a little fire base, which is very Imperial Fist. Throw your unit of quads back there with your master signal babysitting them and then put your heavy support next to them and then put a augury scanner on the master signal and then an augury scanner on the sergeant of the heavy support team. If anything deep strikes, you can fucking overwatch it with the quads, either the shatter shells or the actual mortar rounds, and also whatever heavy weapons you got. Um, it's, you know, it's pretty cool. Blast. There's like a lot of non-existence. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of little synergies there you can do. Fuck. Yeah, dude. What about fortifications, Ryan? I know we've talked about Imperial fist being good with fortifications and <clears throat> mentioned the word. Fortification. A lot of people, a lot of people run the bunker because eight things can shoot out of it. So what you do is you take eight last cannon guys and then you can take the master signal as a ninth because he doesn't actually have to shoot. He gives up a shooting to give them plus one ballistic skill. So even though there's nine guys in the bunker because only you can put him as the ninth and then only eight guys shoot, um, which a lot of people do that. And then they give the bunker the uh, the ammo dump like we talked about to so that they... He gives them ballistic skill five then they re-roll one. So they're basically twin-linked at that point. They're hitting on twos re with re-rolls, and then they auto-have tank hunter. The problem I have with a bunker is that you only shoot in that you know wedge to the front because the vision slits are in the front. So 
it's really easy, in my opinion, for somebody just to come in with a drop pod or a dread claw or a flyer or anything like that and just, you know, come in on an angle that you can't see out of the bunker and then just fuck your world up. Like, here comes my drop pod, and then I get it out with my melted guns and just shoot your bunker in the side, and it goes boom, and that's that. <laughs> Sorry, everybody uh, inside. So I actually prefer... Um, something where you have battlements you can stand on. So, like, I think the void shield generator is probably um, the best. Now, I don't think the void shield is in the new rulebook. Didn't we discuss that? Didn't they take that out? Yeah, I haven't. Seen, I don't think it's there. I think that. I mean, I'm sure it's probably the way to go now, considering that. Yeah, because that gives you a 360 degree. Um, um so. If something tries to deep strike near you, you can you can at least shoot at them before they melt a gun you or whatever. Um, if you're worried about quad mortars and shit like that, you got to remember Phosphex and a quad mortar only has a 36 inch range. So if you give your guys missiles or last cannons, you're going to outrange it. So when you deploy, you just deploy it out of Phosphex range where they have to shoot you with standard rounds. And then for 25 points, you can give that heavy support unit uh, hardened armor where they get to re-roll failed saves against blasts. So them trying to shoot your ass, you know, with, you know, the the strength five standard mortar rounds, they're going to score a decent amount of wounds, but you're getting three up saves with the re-roll, which is like shield captain level ridiculous. Like you save like 93% of the time or something like that. So that's insane. forever. Yeah. So it's just, that's reliable. you're not like, yeah. And it, you know, and then you can even put an apothecary in there and whatever. Um, so it's, it's not, it's not too bad. Um, yeah. So that's, that's kind of my thoughts on that there. If you do a bunker, you need to try to position it where it has a, it's kind of more maybe to the side and kind of turned where it gives you the biggest field of vision and makes it the hardest for your enemy to get around it. Um, that's, that's what I would recommend if you are going do that tactic you got to be really careful with how to place it powerful advice from powerful ryan kimmel place it in the corner place it in the corner well if you place it in the corner you're like really far back like i said it really just depends on you know what deployment map you're getting like because if you're doing hammer hammer and anvil you stick that fucker all the way back in the corner you know depending on what weapons you have you may you know may not ever be able to fucking shoot anything for the whole game. It's you. It's just one of those things. If you're going to play with fortifications, it, it it seems simple just to plop a fucking building down and roll with it, but a canny opponent can really pretty easily, you know, negate that shit and just, you know, dance right around it if you don't set it up properly. 10-4. You want to move on to some lists now? We can do that. We just well, I mean, we got anyway. Go ahead. We'll get there when we get there. What's up? Oh no, we we got lists, but we're really only doing one list. The other ones people wrote in and were more just questions or comments, I guess. Right. Let's see what we got here. So first things first. Let's go ahead and read this one. It comes from Legion of Lies. Powerful Alley. 
It says, good morning, heresy bros. How the fuck are you all? Allie here, and I've got a list for you to blow your loads over for your Imperial Fist episode. I'd like to keep it the same, with the only changes being I want to include a couple of Land Raider Achilles, but I'm not sure where to squeeze them in and what to put them in. I know I'll have to drop something from my heavy slots, and I don't mind if it's a Daredeo. Thanks for all the content and helping to keep me hard for heresy. Peace out. So no, don't read this list. We're no. not going to read this list. Yeah. Tell the tell the tell the listeners how many fucking points this list is. <laughs> this is a five thousand point list. <laughs> what I simply I simply cannot, sir. I simply cannot. Like it's just we're not going to do a five thousand point list. Like I don't have time in my day for that. Um, <laughs> I've already told Alistair this. He was laughing in our uh, Patreon chat. When you get to five thousand fucking points, people, just run what you want. Just run whatever you want. Run a mass. You should probably. Yeah, I think he's got one in here. Yeah. Or... Yeah. So if he wants to know what to drop to put things in, that's where you start. Is that? I think at this point you should probably now that Dorn's models coming <laughs> around the pipe, go ahead and drop that Macedon. Get Dorn in there in a uh, in his personal Thunderhawk at five thousand points, and go to town. Yeah. And don't even you put go. in the Thunderhawk. <laughs> just use a Thunderhawk to just fuck shit up. I mean, it's a really it's a yeah. it's a super cheap Thunderhawk for the uh, ability to take that turbo laser for a discounted price. So, all right. So, next up comes from Matt. Matt says, "Hey guys, love the show and figured it was time for a shit story tread to return to the cast." <laughs> Very Always. Nice. Uh, so this one was titled uh, Shit Story and Unrelated Imperial Fist. <laughs> so he says, back during my university days, I was admitted to a hospital with appendicitis needing surgery. My school was in rural Nova Scotia, Canada, and therefore not the most well-run of medical facilities. I was admitted to the pre-surgery wing, given morphine for the pain, and then given this clear fluid that would clean out my system which would have been fine if my surgery was the next day, as I and presumably these nurses were told. However, the doctor had some time that night and decided to slot me in. But there, before we find this out, I have downed two-thirds of this two-liter bottle of make-your-shit make juice. I've had that juice, man. It works. Uh, about ten minutes after this lovely cocktail, a nurse comes in exclaiming, Please tell me you haven't drank that yet. We were able to get you into surgery now. Well, fuck. At this point, I can feel some rumbles beginning in my nether regions ready to purge. The nurses figure I should be fine with it working in my system ahead of the impending surgery, so gets a couple other nurses to wheel me down to the hospital bed of the OR. So we head down the hall. Meanwhile, my stomach sounds like a whale orgy and is ready to empty. Now I'm in a hospital <laughs> gown with my legs up on the bed when shit happens. Literally. I paint the bed walls and the dust the nurses with explosive diarrhea. Fast forward 10 minutes and three nurses and a doctor are holding my legs, cleaning up literally everything so I'm sanitary enough to go into surgery. Oh my. Man, they had to wipe his butt like an adult baby. That's the most like fucking demoralizing thing I've ever heard. For 10 minutes, dude. For, that means they're in like... Like, you know that the diarrhea that came out initially, that was just the first wave. Like, so, like, That's they... That's what took so long. They, they were like, they're waiting for him to be out. 
they they cleaned up and then he probably spat some more. <laughs> poor poor man. Oh. Poor Matt. Oh, I'm sorry, Matt. I had that whenever I had my brain surgery. I had that shit. <laughs> they were like, "Here you go. Drink this. What does it do? Cleans you out." <laughs> just just drink it. Oh, we'll find out. Okay. Next thing you know, I'm cleaned out. Like blowing air. He says, now on to the Imperial Fist portion of the email. I have this list I've been thinking up for my fist. I own the characters, troops, dread, and have the bolters I would need for the heavy support squad. Here is the link to my list. Would love some advice on the list. Most armies in my area are infantry heavy with only one or two tanks. Anyway, love the show. Keep up the good work. Matt. So, so Matt, I looked at this list and it makes no sense to me. He put it on a spreadsheet. And he's got, like, the fucking dedicated transports at the bottom not assigned to anything. And I can't... I find... I think I got where one goes, but I don't know where the other one goes. And then he only has one troop's choice. So I think he maybe is running a right of war that makes Terminators or something troops, but he doesn't say that he is. So kind of all... I was really confused. So... And also, I just got the list. You sent it to Michael, and I didn't know that it existed till like... 10 minutes before we started recording. Boom. So <laughs> I tried to look at it and think, oh, I can just knock this out real quick. And then it started making my fucking brain ache trying to decipher it. And I didn't have a chance to do it. So what we're going to do is I'm going to uh, email you back as soon as we get done recording. And maybe we can hit each other up on Facebook messenger or just exchange emails or whatever. And I'll get you sorted. And uh, maybe we can read it on next show or I just email it to you or whatever. Rock and roll, buddy. Rock and roll. Thank you for the shit story as well, by the way. We definitely took preference when choosing your list. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because of the shit story. I just want to let you know that. So the next one comes from Ishmael DeLuna, which we actually just found out was the winner right before this show began. Funny enough. He says, Ryan, so with the advent of you guys doing Imperial Fist around the corner, here goes a list idea I'm thinking about taking to the Taking of Furyx event with me this summer. Granted, I can get it all together and painted within a reasonable time, trying to go for Talarn-inspired crusading force. This is for a two-day... Uh, this is for day two of the event. Day one will replace the Cerebrus with something else. Not quite sure. Let me know what you think, and thanks for the awesome work you guys do. So, he's taking a 2,500-point army. His heavy support choices include a Land Raider Battle Squadron... Uh, looks like it's three Land Raider Proteuses with Armored Ceramite, Multi-Melta, uh, Twin Link Last Cannons. Dozer Blades. Dozer Blades. Yeah, on all of them. It's just it's weird to read like this, but I got it. I got it. Uh, Lords of War. Well, here's the thing. Just, just real quick. If he wants to stick with this, he's not taking any other heavy support other than those three Land Raiders, but he's taking them all in one squadron. You will 100% want to split those up. Like right, even if that, you stick that. with the prote, even if you stick with the proteuses, which I'm going to recommend you don't. Um, y- you will you will want to split them into individual squadrons so that they're not having to drive around together and they're not like you don't get assaulted by like three guys with chain fists and they smash apart 900 points of vehicles. What's the what's the benefit of the squadron command tank? That's um, you get tank hunter within 24 inches if they all shoot at the same target. Okay. Not really worth it. Not when you have a Cerberus rolling around hunting your tanks for you. Yeah. 
So next up in his Lords of War slot, he has a Cerberus Heavy Tank Destroyer, Armored Ceramite with Last Cannons. Under his troop choice, he's got a 10-man Tactical Squad. Uh, they took additional Close Combat uh, close combat Blades and Chainswords. Uh, there he took a Vexilla in the squad. The Tactical Sergeant has Artificer Armor and Melta Bombs and a Power Axe. He took that unit twice. He took a Praetor with Artificer Armor, Bolt Pistol, Digital Lasers, Iron Halo, Mastercrafted a Single Weapon. He took Melta Bombs. He's on foot with a Paragon Blade. Uh, and then he also took a, this is a Command Squad with him, is what it looks like. Yeah, it's a Command Squad on foot as well. Looks like they are all armed with Bolters and Combat Shields. And they lower Space Marine Chosen, just that's what they're called. But yeah, looks like just standard Bolter dudes. Oh no, they have power weapons. They're, uh, they're, um, it's a command squad is what it is. Yeah, yeah, I see it now. They all have power weapons, there's a standard bear with power weapon, and they all have combat shields. Very cool. Rocking around with his Praetor. Uh, under his fast attack choice, he took a Phalanx Warder squad, uh, which is nine Phalanx Warders. Two of them has plasma guns, four have power axes. Uh... One has a Vexilla, and they're riding in a Land Raider Proteus with Armored Ceramite, Dozer Blades, and Multi-Melta. The Veteran Sergeant has Artificer Armor, Melta Bombs, and a Power Fist. So I'm pretty sure you really like that unit there. <laughs> the Phalanx Warder Squad inside of a Land Raider Proteus. <laughs> yeah. So th the problem I have with the Proteus is... Everything. You can't... Well, you yeah. Well, some people I don't. I, I personally don't like the model. Uh, don't even like the model. So, um, it's one of those things that you can't you can't assault out of it. It's not an assault vehicle. So, when you put units like a Phalanx Warder Squad in it, or breachers, or you know anything like that that you want to assault out of, you know, you want to like you get, you give these units melt bombs or whatever to get close and jump out and try to clamp melt bombs on something or, or get out, shoot a unit and then assault into it. You can't do it. So really, if you're going to put things in a Proteus, they need to be like a really shooty unit. Um, the only time I really take a Proteus or recommend taking one is if you're going to buy the uh, augury web for it, where the exploratory web or whatever the hell it's called it lowers its capacity to only eight, but it gives it scout, which is pretty good. Um, and then it gives your army the reserve manipulation, which is pretty can be pretty potent. So what you can do with that at that point, you can load it up with like eight guys with plasma guns or eight guys with melt guns, anything that's really good at shooting. So then you can scout it forward 12 inches before the game begins. And then on your turn one, move forward six and then jump out six and then rapid fire you know, your plasma guns or something like that into it. Um, which Michael, I'm sure he's used to that tactic from playing like more Dathan, things with Raven Guard that All have day. Scout. You've probably, yeah. So that's when it becomes useful. Taking four of them in a list like this and putting in units that just have bolt guns, um, things like that, it's just not, it's not the direction you want to go. So I don't know why he chose the Proteus. I don't know if it's just to to save points or if he was just envisioning sitting back and shooting whatever. Um, so when I looked at this list, I wanted to do everything I could just to get these things swapped out for uh, Phoboses. Um, they're a cheaper kit in real life because they're the, the hybrid, 
either you can either buy them just in plastic or you can with the price of the way the plastic kits have went through games workshop the the fucking mark 2b is only slightly more expensive and looks way better and more heresy so i recommend just going ahead and biting the bullet and getting the mark 2b and i'm pretty sure it's still cheaper than buying the full proteus model um yeah i think so uh, whenever i first came to heresy I just assume that the like because he's he's new he's a newer player I think well no no yeah. he's been playing forever now that I think about it no yeah never mind remember he's he pre-ordered betrayal and he had the uh the custodes and all that jazz so yeah no I don't know I don't know why he chose the Proteus I thought he maybe a newer player I I know yeah. when I first started I was like Proteus that's horse heresy bam I'm gonna order that I'm gonna get some of these breachers. Aesthetic is yeah. why a lot of people pick it. I, I have two from Iron Warriors, and the whole reason I picked them was just aesthetic, just because they look like the more heresy of the two lander. Do you think so? I don't know. I like the Phobos. I, just, I think it looks better. The, better. the Phobos looks better if you buy, A, the Mark II B kit, or B, you do those uh, Sagittarius treads. But or both. Think, yeah, <laughs> yeah, well, ideally, but... You know, That's a lot of moolah. Yeah, it's not. It does look <laughs> rad, though. Yeah, my uh, my Proteus is on the same the same shelf as my Breachers, so I use them, but I use them with shooting units inside. Of them. That's kind of the key to them, like like Ryan said. So the thing was, I wanted to get get basically all of his guys in Phoboses instead of uh, Proteus. But the thing is, the Proteuses are only 180, and then he's bought some war gear for them. But I've basically, you know, the Phobos is more expensive so the, you you take you basically want to take a phobos and give it dozer blade and armored ceramite that's kind of like the loadout but those are 250 points a tank so i was gonna have to shave points or do whatever so i basically tried to well here we'll just start and read through the list and i'll talk about why i changed the way i did so i went with a um a Delegatus over a Praetor, and I'll get to why I did that at the end of the list. So, for his HQ, I took a Delegatus taking Chosen Duty Right of War. Chosen Duty is what allows you to take Vets troops. Um, the Delegatus is in Artificer Armor. He has a Bolt Pistol. So, the Delegatus rule and a Boarding Shield. So, this guy's going to be very Imperial Fist. Um, got his Shield. Got his power weapon, got his bolt pistol, all that. Pretty cool. Um, for the second HQ choice, I have a chaplain with just artificer armor and his Crozius, which he gets for free. You can make it anything you want. I put it down as an axe, but it can be whatever you want it to be. Um, so then for troops, you can start taking veteran squads. So instead of taking a command squad, I took a five-man veteran squad with weapon master. So it's going to make them weapon skill five, just like the command squad. Um, and then I gave all five guys, including the sergeant power weapons. So you can just like the command squad. Once again, um, I gave one of the guys a Vexilla. So if you want to use those command squad models, you can just say the Vexilla is the banner bearer guy works. Um, and they're going to go with your delegatus, just kind of like the command squad was, but this way they're going to be scoring. It's going to save you a few points and they're going to be scoring is mainly why I did it. Um, other than that, they're pretty similar. Um, for the second troops choice, I'm going to take uh, 10 marksman vets. Um, they're just all going to keep their bolters because you're going to benefit from that bolter special rule for Imperial Fist. The sergeant has artificer armor and a power weapon. 
and the entire unit has melt bombs, which is key. Um, then for the second troop's choice, it's an identical unit. So just 10 marksman vets, all with melt bombs. Sergeant has artificer uh, armor and power weapon. And then for the fourth, fourth troop's choice, I took 10 breachers. Um, the sergeant has artificer armor and power weapon, and they are in a dedicated Land Raider Phobos with dozer blade and armored ceramite. So I basically just swapped his phalanx uh, warders over to these guys so he can use the same models or whatever, but just use them as standard breachers. Um, for heavy support, I took three separate Land Raider battle squadrons. Each each separate squadron consists of a Land Raider Phobos with dozer blade and armored ceramite. And then for Lord of War, I took a Cerberus uh, heavy tank destroyer with last cannons and armored ceramite. So kept us Lord of War in there. So if you look at it, instead of the two standard tactical squads, I've got him two marksman vet squads. So it's yeah. an instant upgrade there. And then I gave both those squads all melt bombs. And because they're now in Phoboses, he can drive up and then Unload. get out and a. Yeah. unload, get out, shoot bolt pistols into something if it's infantry, and then charge with four attacks per guy on the charge, or just get out and rapid fire if he wants to. But it's mainly for he can get out, and if your opponent... It basically allows you to drive up, get out, and assault, and clamp a bunch of melt bombs on shit. So normally I... I'm not a huge fan of melt bombs on vets normally because normally they're in a rhino or on foot or something like that. But if you can get them in a land raider, it's definitely, definitely do the 25 point melt bombs because then it becomes a fucking potent weapon of war because you can, you really put that range out there. It's not opponent can't at that point, they can't just fucking drive away from your melt bomb guys because you have too much of a threat range all in one turn. Cause you can move six, get out six and assault two D six. It pushes their threat range, reasonable threat range, out to eighteen inches instead of twelve. Man, are you uh, are you pushing those vets using? Are you pushing them more towards the you know, uh, tank hunter vets? Or are you pushing them more towards the sniper vets? I would do sniper so they do both roles, so That's they take advantage badass. of. Yeah. They take advantage of the bolter rule for Imperial Fist, but they also have melt bombs to clamp. Um, you could also, like you said, do the tank because you get to choose before the game begins. Yeah. What 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 veteran skill they want, and then the other thing going from the phalanx warders to phalanx warders can't take melt bombs. They only get one on the sergeant. So switching to normal breachers, the normal breachers I gave the entire unit um, melt bombs. They are also in their own Phobos. So he's going to have three Phoboses, all with 10 guys, all with melt bombs, where he can drive up. So you're going to have 30 dudes with melt bombs that can assault out of Land Raiders to go after tanks. <laughs> um, and then they also, obviously, the, the Land Raiders have their own LAS cannons. And then all of those units have 40 attacks apiece on the charge to, to fuck up infantry. Dang, that's wild. And then. Then he's got the um, the fourth Phobos riding around that we've not talked about yet that's got the five Weapon Master Vets, so they're going to be Weapon Skill 5, all with power weapons. Then he's got a Chaplain in there with a power weapon. Then he's got his Delegatus in there with a power weapon. So it's seven badass dudes with power weapons, and they're, all, they're getting Hatred and Fearless through the uh, Chaplain. 
Um, and then they're also going to be able to assault out of the, the Phobos and kick ass. And then he's got the Cerberus for uh, anti-tank as well. So I feel like this unit's a very... His theme is kind of like, he's got the Cerberus and then the four fucking Phoboses. So all of his... Like, when he deploys, he's just basically deploying the five tanks. But four of those tanks are all loaded up with, you know, pretty badass elite infantry that all have... That can all either kill vehicles or kill infantry. So everything's kind of a dual threat in the army. Jesus. That's pretty cool. I really like how they all have dual jobs like that. It's pretty smart. So if you look at his idea, I basically have the same number of units, same number of tanks, the same kind of core idea. I've just switched all of his land raiders from Proteuses to Phoboses, upgraded the tacticals to veteran tacticals, and gave them all bombs, and then quote-unquote downgraded the phalanx warders to normal breachers but then they all gain melt the bombs so and you kept the servers in the list <laughs> and yeah my god what's that thing gonna do with everybody running around melt the bombs yeah oh plus in in his list the only thing that scored were the two tactical squads because the phalanx warders don't score and the command squad doesn't score now in my list does everything scores. Mm. So really the only true downgrade is the Delegatus from a Praetor, but I'm, he's getting a chaplain and a Delegatus in place of the one Praetor to kind of make up for it. And the reason I had to go with, uh, two characters was, well, I didn't have to, but I just had the extra points. The reason I had to go Delegatus was to make it chosen duty um, because only the delegates can take that right of war. I could technically take a Praetor and make it Pride of the Legion. But if you make it Pride of the Legion, I couldn't get the units to vehicles to work out right. Because you have to have more units with Legion Astartes than you do vehicles. Yeah. And I didn't have I didn't have enough points without dropping the Cerberus. And I didn't want to drop the Cerberus. I didn't have it. But he said something about taking it out. So if you if you end up taking the Cerberus out to play lower points games you could um, switch over to pride, switch over to pride and keep the list identical and then just drop the, the chaplain and the uh, delegatus and just turn it into a single praetor and deck him out with war gear. If you want to do that. Fuck. Yeah. Options there. I would. So. Very cool. Hopefully that works out for you, bud. Then we had one more Imperial fist email. Yes, sir. This comes from the Gardener of the Tree of Woe. Very awesome name. It says, Ryan, I've been listening to your podcast for a few months now. I found it via Eye of Horus podcast. Random personal fact, I grew up in Champagne-Urbana. 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 So it's fun hearing you talk about Central Indiana. <laughs> okay, that's not what I was thinking. <laughs> Champagne-Urbana, Indiana. <laughs> no, it's not, it's not Indiana. It's in El- it's in Illinois. So oh. close. He's saying it's in the Midwest, close by. Champaign-Urbana, Illinois. So it's fun hearing about you talk about Central Indiana. It's not home, but it's right next door. Here's my unit building request. I am currently building a force of Imperial Fists from Plastic Calth and Prospero Marines minis. The twist is that I really like the larger scale size, true scale, or bigger eyes as I call them, Marines. All of these see picks below are about the same size as the new Primaris Marines, 
I know you guys hate all things 8th, but I love the proportions and the size of the Marines. I'm currently building two style of these guys. The first are built from Catafactory Marines, whom I intend to run as Marines in Mark II power armor. The first guy who's painted will be the sergeant. He's got a power fist, bolter, bolt pistol, and melt bombs. The second style uses various parts from the Primaris Marine kits as Mark III parts from Prospero. They're pretty complicated, but I hope they also look pretty unique. Anyway, I'm investing a lot of time and effort in building these, and I want to be able to use these lists as the core of my army in a variety of lists. I should mention also that my favorite things in the world are power armor, not terminator armor, power fist, and heavy bolters. I would like good general list loadouts for the following units. Two units. Uh, unit 1 is a unit of vets and power armor, 10 dudes. The sergeant is done and painted with the power fist, artificer armor, melts bombs, bolter, and bolt pistol. I would like to arm two of the other guys with heavy bolters because I love heavy bolters. I have open with how to arm the rest, though from listening to you, I guess you'd really fond of combi meltas. I also love power fists. Uh, I, okay, well, let's just stop there. So, the vets. How would you arm out the vets? I'm assuming... If he's, want if he's wanting just a super well-rounded loadout for veterans and being Imperial Fists, I would probably do like the Sergeant with Power Fist, just because that's very Imperial Fist. Then I would do two guys in the unit with a power weapon, probably axes. So just do two dudes with power weapons. And then I would run either, then probably run two uh, melta guns or combi meltas, whatever one he wanted to do as the special weapons. That gives it a real well-rounded unit. If he's going to do the, the power axes in there and whatever where it's going to be, where it's good in assault and shooting, I would just do normal melta guns. So I'd probably do two melta guns, two power axes, and then power fist on the sergeant. And then obviously melta bombs. If like if you're gonna model, like if you really care about getting that far into wussy wig, um, go ahead and put melta bombs on them. I guess like model them on there. And then I mean your opponent's not gonna look at your guy and go, oh, it's got a melta bomb glued on the belt, like. You know, so if you don't want to run them with melt bombs in a game, nobody's going to call you out if they got them glued on the belt. Nobody's going to notice that. I will. Don't play me. Just kidding. I wouldn't notice. But but anyway, that's God damn it. Hashtag model melt bombs for life. Yeah, <laughs> with with that particular loadout, you could go. You know, you could do machine killers there. You could do weapon masters there. You could do marksmen there. It's going to fit with any of those. But for Imperial Fist, Marksman makes the most sense. Or Machine Killer. But that yeah. loadout will work, like I said, with either. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, the second unit he had a question on was a unit of 20 Breachers. I know you that you are not a huge fan of these guys, but Breachers are one of those iconic units that really got me interested in 3K. And the Imperial Fist. These guys will be built from the Mark III guys that I'm working on, third pick below. It seems a lot of folks throw grav guns on their breacher squads, but I'm not sure. The only thing that I'm I'm 100% sure of is that I want to give the sergeant a power fist because I love power fist. My intention is to use these guys reduced to 15 for Zone Mortalis or broken into two squads for smaller games if I need to fit them into transports, etc. However, my goal is that I have the ability to run them as a single 20-man squad. I really appreciate your help. Appreciate your help, and look forward to your reply. Respectfully, Jason. So every five, every fifth dude take a melta gun. It's the most breacher fucking gun. You don't want grav guns at all because they're heavy, 
So if you move them at all, you can't fire the grav gun at all. You can't even snap fire it because it's blast. It's the most ridiculous option to give them. So um, I think flamers or melt guns are the fluffiest, I think, for Imperial Fist melt guns, for sure. Um, and then I would give... Uh, if you're going to take breachers, they have to have melt bombs. It's one of the... It's like what makes them decent. For the record, I don't... Like... He says I'm not a huge fan. I mean, I put them in lists. I mean, they're not horrible. They're kind of a... They're one of those things you have to be aware of what they are and how to build the army around them type of unit. It's not something you just throw in all the time. You pay for additional survivability... But you pay too much for what you get. Yeah, but you can make it work for sure. I mean, they're not like so egregiously priced that it's you're not digging a hole you can't get yourself out of. For <laughs> sure, you're not pulling a fucking destroyers on anybody. <laughs> yeah, that's. I don't want to have that talk. I'm tired of having it. <laughs> well, all right, guys. But that's yeah, it. I, I I would I would get well the, I would. Give his sergeant the power fist like he wants to, and then just give the unit melt bombs, and then every fifth guy give him a melt gun. Good to go. Fuck yeah. So that's it. That's Imperial, it. Imperial fist episode on the books. Made it. And Scott didn't pop off one time. <laughs> that's right. Stayed stayed pretty calm the entire episode over there, even though his. I know. I held it together, man. You fucking lapdogs. I held it together. I kept an air of professionalism about myself, <laughs> even though we're talking about the fucking tool bags extremists <laughs> of the whole universe. <laughs> I think uh I think he's still uh <laughs> I build walls. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking lame asses, Jesus! <laughs> I don't give a shit if your prime marches came out today. <laughs> I was gonna say that he still chuffed a little bit because somebody photoshopped his head on Rogel Dorn earlier. Yeah. But... Oh my god! How dare you, Eric? How goddamn dare you? Well, well. So anyway, guys, that's the Imperial Fist episode. Uh, if you have any friends that are picking up Imperial Fist, go ahead and make sure you recommend this episode to them. Uh, next week we'll have Zoe Mortalis. So guys, go ahead and continue to light up our email addresses or email inboxes with your Zoe Mortalis questions so we can get them addressed next episode. Uh, our emails are michael at warmer30k.com, derek at warmer30k.com, ryan at warmer30k.com, and scott at warmer30k.com. Uh, I didn't mention this earlier. I should have. But we were kind of going fast. Uh, if you're new to this, uh, new to Radio Free Van, and you're new to this whole uh, podcast itself, we do have a voicemail line. You heard them at the beginning of the episode. Our voicemail number is 209-RFI-30K0. And uh, you can call that internationally, locally, anything like that. Uh, if you don't want to incur the international toll charges from calling long distance, uh, you can just record your voicemail and email to any of our email addresses, uh, which I just gave, and we will get that voicemail played on the air for you. Uh, I think this, this, it looks like we're on this like animal attacks kind of kick right now, so if you got any of those going on, <laughs> go ahead and just send them our way. Hey, Bear hey North American marsupials, man, let's get into the fucking, let's get into the possums, let's get into the raccoons. 
All right, I'm a big fan of fucking raccoon attack stories. Dude, no, so, man. Oh, no. Cool. Let's do it. I'm Devil terrified of raccoons. Like raccoons, rodent right there, man. My raccoons. God. Are you really scared of raccoons? <laughs> yeah, dude. I'm like, not scared of them, man, have... but I have a fucking very healthy respect for them, and I have a respect <laughs> for the fact that people who live in the city think these things like, oh, look at him. He he has a little mask on. Like, no, man, those things will fuck your shit up. I've like, I fed them. I feed them by hand all the time, man. They're fine. That's you, man. I don't know what's going on. I don't know why those Indiana <laughs> raccoons are so docile. I'm not. Fucking, <laughs> <but> <laughs> fucking raccoons, um, no apex predators uh, when they see one. Hey, <laughs> I do, I do want to throw this out. We've got an overwhelming response of fucking uh, lists lately. I don't know what's going on, but I have 21 army lists that <laughs> I fucking had to try to go through. There's just no way I was getting that done. Um, we've been fairly busy at work moving this new storeroom around, so I've gotten, I don't know, I think I'm down to like, I got down to seven and then got fucking more today, and I don't even know how many more, like two or three more. I was like, fuck, I'm back up to like ten. So, um, I will get to that. We're, there's no way we're ever going to fucking, because I still got like thirteen that we I've done a long time ago that have just never made it on the show, That I, I but all those have been emailed. They're done with that are emailed. So I'm slowly working my way through these. So uh, if you haven't heard yours on the show or you haven't received an email of me replying back to you, just fucking be patient. I will work my way through it. It's no big deal. It will get done. So and then if if you if it goes fucking a really long time or you're on a deadline, just shoot me an email and say, hey, fuck face, hurry up, whatever. Get this get this done and I'll get it done. It might, might, I think we should probably have a list of Palooza episode after the Zone Mortalis. Probably should just squeeze that in pretty soon just to yeah, clear we all can, that up. Yeah, we can do that if you want. I mean, we literally at this point, when I'm done with this stack and with this previous stack, we could do an episode with like 25 lists on it. Fuck which yeah. is way too many lists. I don't think we want to do a 25 list episode. <laughs> Jesus <Whoa>. Christ. <laughs> You guys would all be asleep. Um, I'd be stuttering. I won't be here. So I'll yeah, Scott, Scott's like, fuck off. Yeah. That's, that's what's so funny that about day. people who are fans of the show. Like, we've had so many people like go, that's my favorite section. Let me tell you what's not everybody that's like his favorite section that is on the show is lists. <laughs> these three motherfuckers, as I'm going through these lists, I'm looking at them. They're all fucking dozing off, eyes glazed over, sick of playing talking. They, they don't, they are not entertained. I'm almost surely pissing during the list. <laughs> count on Scott, Scott, like everybody that's on this show that's not me is way more into, you know, telling dick jokes fucking talking about bears biting each other's nutsacks, you know, talking about homeless blown people in alleys like we do. You know, like fucking homeless dudes banging each other underneath <laughs> the pier, you know. Never know. <laughs> or wherever they do it, I don't know. <laughs> That's the only thing that keeps these fuckers entertained. As soon as I start reading off the list, their fucking eyes glaze over and they stroke out. So, yeah. So, okay, well, it's like, like pulling. I don't have anything to like contribute to that because like if anybody wants me to write you a list, email me at Derek at Warhammer30k.com. It ain't gonna be a great one, but I'll try. God damn it! <laughs> they know where they know where the money makers at. They know where to send the list. <laughs> Just... Well, funniest thing was we got the Sisters of Silence list in. 
And I said, hey, Michael, can you just do this list? And he read it real quick and tell me, tell tell the audience exactly what you said you were going to do. I said, oh, cool. He hasn't bought anything. I'm just going to go ahead and send him the list you wrote for me, the one I'm using right now. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's working out pretty well. <laughs> uh, it's so silly. That's fucking great. So, anyway. You feel better now that you got that off your chest? <laughs> he knows. <laughs> I, I'm not. I'm not mad. I just. I'm just fucking stating facts for the people at home. They can't see you guys like turn into catatonic mode. So you just like, go. What, go I, back what I do bit. here is, and, then, and I go. What do you think about that, Michael? And he's like, huh? What? What are we talking about? <laughs> oh yeah, what? I like them a lot. With Sounds these good, man. Warriors. <laughs> oh, this is the fucking Night Lords list. Yeah, that's what I meant. Night Lords. Sounds good. I'm like, yeah, awesome. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. That's pretty brutal. <laughs> I'm glad I spent eight hours this week fucking doing 15 of these lists. <laughs> we love you, Ryan. God damn it, we love you. <laughs> All right, guys. You ready here? Uh, like I said, next week's Zone Mortalis episode, just a reminder. So pop us any questions you have or anything like that. If you find us on Facebook, uh, Radio Frist Van on Facebook. Uh, we also have a Patreon page if you uh, do want to donate to a Patreon. It's a dollar. You can donate a dollar uh, an episode. And you get into a special uh, Patreon chat called the Crusader Host. And then we also have a closed uh, closed group on Facebook that we also have. Uh, as well, There is we, do, we are affiliates with audible.com. So if uh, you're new to the heresy or anything like that, especially if you're new to Imperial Fist, that's why you're listening to this episode and you want to go pick up that book, The Crimson Fist, uh, you can go to rfibook.com, start your free trial with Audible, and you can get a 30-day free trial of Audible and you'll get a free book out of that. And you can listen to that as many times as you want in that 30 days and uh, basically you know, get you get to listen to a free heresy book. They got the entire Black Library series on there, so all the Horus Heresy books for you. Good to go. But that link is on our Facebook. So if you need to find it, go to our Facebook. RFI Facebook. book. Radio Free Esteban book. RFI yeah. book. So yeah. I guess we'll go ahead and kick it some music, guys. Don't forget to share this. Y'all have a good one. Bye. <laughs> Thank you.